does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Kevin, do you know the irony of this morning? Uh, boy, I don't know. Final day of July. The irony of this morning is I woke up to come here to Colts Camp, which is where we are in Grand Park, and it is a gorgeous morning. God, it feels great. And it is totally comfortable. And then I thought about it, and I thought the the temperature and the environment and the humidity and everything is totally comfortable, and yet... Is that how you would describe right now the situation at Colts Camp? You know, I almost walked out to the 50-yard line and thought to myself, is there like a little sands through the, through the hourglass? <laughs> These are the days of our lives, right? A whole lot to get through on the Jonathan Taylor front, but to lead things off, if Isaiah McKenzie is ready, we will more than happily lead off the show with him. Jake, we have had a lot of guests in our two-year history. We have not had a lot of guests willing to come on this dog and pony show at 7.01 in the morning. Did Isaiah McKenzie draw kind of the short end was of the that, stick here? Do you think that was part of the deal when you're new to a franchise? They're like, hey, you're the guy that has to do the interviews at 7 o'clock uh, in the morning. First day of full pads, and you got to go on this radio show here at 7 a.m. Isaiah, good morning, and thank you. Good morning. Thank you guys for having me. Now, is this typical for you? Well, waking up early? Uh, yeah. yeah, up and, up and at them. I mean, has yeah. that always been? Obviously, in camp, I get it. But has that always been your, your go-to? Um, I was up at 5.11 this morning, so I was ready to go five at 5.11. Yeah. What time did you go to bed? Uh, twelve. Okay, so five hours sleep. Well, what have you been doing since five eleven? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, TikTok, Instagram. Okay, um, scrolling a little. Just laying down, waiting to just wait, waiting for the interview. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is full pads like for you? I mean, I know it's probably a little bit more for the for the trench guys, yeah. but like, does the energy level rise at all? Is this more like okay, true evaluation, one on ones, things like that? Um. I like to say I, I like to get more aggressive with the pads on. You know, when it's, it's just helmets and stuff like that, I mean, I re- can't really do much when it comes to the run game, just blocking and stuff like that. But I get to be more aggressive, get to block more, get to try to run big big dudes over, even though I'm 5'7". But um, uh, just it's more aggressive for everybody, actually. But we, I feel like I can get more aggressive. This is stop number three for you, right, in terms of your professional career. Am I right yes. in that? Yes. So, you know, here you are. You're, you sign in the offseason. You come here. When you like, if when you're sitting on the airplane and you're on your way to Indianapolis, and somebody says, "Oh, you play for the Colts," that's cool. What position do you play? Do you say, "I'm a returner" or "I'm a receiver"? Receiver. Okay. So, but returner is going to be. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people, and of course, we're not on the field in pads, right? The outside perception is that one of the big roles that you will have here will also be as a returner. Do yeah. you also see it that way? Yes. Now, is there a take me through that? That kind of a mentality, I guess, because I think personally to be a returner, you have to be a little bit crazy. Yeah, you. I, a lot of people say that, and I, I feel like you have to just be fearless, and as especially as a punt returner, as a punt returner, the ball's in the air, eleven guys coming downfield on you, and it's a little different than a kick return. You know, the ball comes different, and um, I mean, you can fair catch if you want, but you always want to return it as a punt returner. And on kick return, it's just like it's pretty deadly. Everybody coming at full speed, so I feel like. Both special teams, you got to be somewhat just crazy in the mind. So yeah, you're right. I, I've obviously got crazy some questions. in the mind. Don't you love that phrase? That's, the, <laughs> that, that's describe, like getting up at five eleven in the morning, right? Sure. sure. Now uh, we've got legitimate questions here, but I do have one other question about punt returning because I've always been fascinated by yeah. this. When you're when you're back, the ball's in the air. Uh-huh. 
you know, you've got to look at the ball, then you're looking to see what the, where the rush is coming. You know what I mean? Back and forth. Mm. Is How much of that goes just in your head of being able to time whether or not you need to fair catch it? Or how soon before the ball gets to you do you take your last glance at the defense coming? Um, I would say as soon as it comes off the foot, you can kind of tell – the way it comes off the foot, if the ball's turning over if it's, or if the ball doesn't turn over. So I'll give you a little in case you want to be a returner in the backyard. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when they punt uh, with the right front of the punter, if the ball turns over, it's, it's going long left. So you long left to your left shoulder. And then if it doesn't turn, up, turn over, it's going short right to your right shoulder. Huh. And I had to learn that over the years of playing, you know, playing football and um so it's kind of easy when you see it in the air as soon as it comes off the foot you'll be like oh it's turning over it's going deep and it's going long left and if it's not it's going short so with the deep long left i, I get to peek a little bit and then see where everybody is and then make my decision from there but other than that if it's short i'm already fair catching okay so you know you know pretty quickly whether or not yeah okay um this is educational it is <laughs> um i'm also curious of this and this is a natural probably obvious question and and i realize isaiah it might be too early for you to formulate an answer (laughs) but you are coming from buffalo where you played with josh allen who is obviously a big athletic quarterback that had to kind of grow into the position Mm -hmm. indianapolis has similar to that now Uh can you take me through your initial feelings on anthony richardson and observations and are there any similarities there at all um yeah uh, size and arm strength. I'll put it uh, to start with uh, when it comes to similarities. Um, for the most part, the last three days he's been he's been he's been awesome. Um, I would say this: when I got in, when we got into OTAs and he got to the facility and everything, I didn't know how you know things would go. And um, but slowly but surely, he was learning the playbook. He was getting in there, controlling the offense, and um, throwing the ball well. But these last three days, he's been he's been. It's it's been night and day. It's been awesome, and um, I'm I'm just excited to see where his career goes from here. But for the most part, he's been phenomenal, and I hope he keeps doing that and help the coach win some games. Yeah, he had some throws Saturday night that looked like some throws you yeah. see Sunday afternoon, <laughs> to say the least. Again, Isaiah McKenzie's with us here, new Colts wide receiver, return man as well. Um, why do you think you were let go in Buffalo? Because clearly you had been there for several years, uh-huh. and you're a unique piece to any offense. I've said it when you signed here. The Colts really haven't had a player like you, I think, in quite some time. So w- why do you think it didn't work out there? Um, I feel like my time was up there. You know, I, 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 I was saying it this morning. Like, I've grown with that organization from 2018 to like just last year, and um, they gave me every opportunity to be successful, and um, I had a great time there. Um, for me, I just feel like it was my time to go, and they probably also felt the same way. And it was like, okay, cool. That's, that, that was fine with me, and that was fine with them. And we went our different ways. You know, even though I felt like when I left, well, when – Things went down, whereas they signed Deontay Hardy, and then I found out about it later on. It was like it kind of, it was kind of a sad feeling for me. It was like, okay, well, I know where this is going, so I just took it on the chin and went the other way. Now it's three days of practice so far, but when I watch you out here in team sessions, I'm like, what, where is he? Because I always <laughs> feel like that you're moving around, you're in motion, you're doing this. Sometimes you're in the backfield, sometimes you're lining up. How would you describe how Shane Steichen is utilizing you? Um, being versatile. I'm in the backfield sometimes. I'm motioning around, running option routes, running overs, uh, 
and he, I feel like he's he's done a great job with the slots. Not just me, but Josh Downs as well. Um, and I feel like we're going to grow with the offense and help the coach win some games. He, he Shane Steichen seems to be the kind of guy. It, your style of play, Isaiah McKenzie, perfectly fits. One would think what Shane Steichen likes to do. If you look historically, is that a fair statement? Like, were you were you excited at the opportunity to be a wrinkle in his offense and kind of be like Kevin was mentioning, maybe that like little secret weapon in his offense? Uh, for sure. Um, we watched the, uh, the Eagles last year uh, with Devontae Smith and how he ran option routes and things like that and the way he was getting him the ball. Um, also, even with the Chargers where um, – uh, Keenan Allen, yeah, he was running the option routes, getting him the ball in every which way, in every which form. Um, but I feel like all the guys are getting meshed in the offense, you know, slowly but surely. Not just myself, but Pitt, Alec Pierce, JD, um, Mo, Mo Ali Cox, and I feel like he's he's done a great job with all of us. But um, I'm excited for what's to come. I know you weren't on the roster last year, so you probably don't know. I mean, you guys all know each other, but yeah. you don't know them. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, any time that you have a marquee player that you assumed was going to be a big piece that is now involved in, and I know that you guys all understand the business of it, uh-huh. but is the Jonathan Taylor situation have potential to be a distraction for this team? Um, like you said, I was here last year, but I mean, I don't think so. I think everybody's going in the right path. I think everybody's doing what they need to you know, do, and JT's doing what he needs to do. And I mean, I feel like he'll handle that, and they'll handle that. I'm... At this point, I'm just here to play football, and whatever comes, if I mean, I would, I would love to play with him. I was just watching him, you know, over the years, and him playing against me in Buffalo. Um, I would love to play with him, but you know, at this point, that's between him and the owner and the organization. Do you guys talk about it behind the scenes, like player-wise? Uh, no, I, I, I don't really know much about it. I mean, obviously, I see the headlines and stuff like that but yeah you're watching that, tiktok at 5 <laughs> but other than other than that I, I don't speak much on it okay now speaking of tiktok i can't imagine your position coach <laughs> is a huge fan of, of of tiktok reggie wayne has always struck me as a pretty old soul even though age-wise he's probably one of the younger assistants i don't know i guess your whole uh, offensive staff is pretty young uh what would you say the experience has been like albeit five months in of being coached by reggie wayne um it's been awesome you know you know he's teaching us things that he's he's grown he grew to do in when he in his younger years. Um, him being in the league, he done he's done phenomenal things. A future Hall of Famer, and I just feel like um, there's more to come from him. You know, just in camp, he's teaching us some things. But when the season comes, I think I'm pretty sure there's more things he's going to teach us coverage wise, team other teams wise, uh, player wise, and things like that. So I'm excited to see where he, you know where we go from here. I want to go back to something that you said about Anthony Richardson. Uh-huh. Um, Tell me if I heard it incorrectly, but basically what I was hearing you say was, hey, listen, this guy's made great strides, and it's very encouraging, and he's a young player, so that's going to happen, but that the inconsistencies early on were definitely there, and that maybe in OTAs you were thinking like, he, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Did I overread that? Uh, No. You know, we just, I mean, I I feel like as a young guy, you're going to learn. You're going to learn from mistakes and things like that, and I mean, everybody goes through them, and as a fourth pick in the draft you expect you expect a lot of things from him but I kept it realistic with myself like hey he's going to come in he's not going to be the best quarterback in the league on day one or three weeks in of OTAs I'm not expecting that and but now he's it's like I said it's night and day he's coming out here and he's balling what is the biggest difference 
from the college level, other than the windows collapsing, right, in terms of the amount of time that a quarterback has to throw, what would you say is the biggest thing that he has to learn, and how do you as a receiver with your experience help him through that? Um, I would say for me, first part, I would say for me, to help him with that is to get open. You know, create as much separation as I can to give him an easy throw. Um, other than that, for him, it's just like, hey, put the touch, putting the touch on the ball when you can, knowing when you can fit it in a window, knowing when you just take the check down, and knowing that you know sometimes things may not may not be open and it's okay. Just don't make a bad decision with the football because at the end of the day, we want to win football games as Colts, and he's going to be the last person with the football and. The, the person to make the decision with the football most of the time. Again, the debut of full pads coming up here at 10 a.m. I know a morning lift on the schedule for Isaiah McKenzie. Jake, 47 career carries. Maybe he'll get some running back touches. <laughs> I'm telling more you. Coming up this season. Isaiah, welcome to Indy. Um, thank you for joining us here early on this Monday morning. Uh, stay healthy this year and appreciate the time. Appreciate you, guys. Appreciate you guys for having me. Definitely. Isaiah McKenzie right there with you us You know, here. he sat there and stared at the back of my computer as a Georgia guy at the Clemson Park. <laughs> didn't say a single thing about it. I you realize that? That's impressive. That's a sign of maturity I don't think you would have had had you. That's right. I will say my freshman year, we did – we, uh, did we lose? No, we beat them. Actually, it was a, my my first game. It was a night game at Georgia, and it was against Clemson. Deshaun I remember Watson. that. Yeah, we won. Uh, Todd Gurley had a great game. And Todd Gurley, there's a name. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, Isaiah, thank you, man. Thank Pre- you. Appreciate you guys for having me. Again, Isaiah McKenzie here. Practice number four for the Colts will begin about 10 a.m. Uh, again, Jake, the first session in full pads. Uh, they will practice Tuesday and Thursday this week. Night practice coming up on Saturday, an afternoon one on Sunday. This is by far the busiest week of camp. And lo and behold, you've got a preseason opener a week from Saturday. And, Kevin, the the question is going to be this. As you'd mentioned, there's plenty going on here. There's a lot of work to do. There are a lot of players here like Isaiah McKenzie to mesh in. And, you know, it's new to everybody because you have a new head coach. But the big story without question is that of over the weekend with the Jonathan Taylor situation and what seems to be new storylines and new wrinkles that come out about this each and every day. The latest being last night that, according to Mike Chappell, the the Colts could contemplate putting uh, Jonathan Taylor on the non-football injury list because Taylor, during his physical, complained of back pain. This is all alleged, I guess. um, That took place after workouts away from team in Arizona. Taylor is disputing that, saying that that is not an accurate statement and that he has never had any back pain whatsoever. But multiple people are reporting that sources close to them within the Colts are saying that that was the case. What I find interesting about it is if Taylor, in fact, actually failed his physical when he showed up here, um, and I... You know, Chris Ballard, when he came out and, and talked with the media, apparently around the time that Taylor was taking the physical, basically said these are the guys that, that, you know, the players that are on PUP at that time were the only that they had issue with. Maybe they didn't anticipate Taylor. Maybe he wasn't told yet about Taylor's situation, or maybe he knew about it and simply didn't want to share. I, I don't know which that is, but it does seem as though with all of this that's happening with Jonathan Taylor and the uncertainty that is coming like a groundswell, Kevin, that that tidal wave seems to also have caught to an extent the Colts as – kind of shell-shocked by all of it as anybody. You know, it's one of the more immature things um, that I can remember ever. 
for the Colts, this whole thing. It's a seventh-grade relationship, Jake. It's being played out in front of all of us. Uh, Chris Ballard has been a staunch, staunch believer in supporting players like no other, not having things get aired in such a public manner. And again, I'm not acting like Jonathan Taylor and his agent aren't at fault for this as well. Um, It is wild that in one week, a guy on the side of Lucas Oil Stadium, one of your pillar players, um, this is what it's turned into. It's just, it's shocking that it has gotten to a situation that, you know, you're just waiting for like a Terrell Owens, Drew Rosenhaus, I'm doing sit-ups on my driveway sort of scenario to play out here. To go back to your earlier point, Jake, about, you know, Taylor opening up on the pup list, if he complained of back pain at the physical and failed the physical, why didn't he go on the non-football injury list right away? Right. Why has he been on pup for a week? Uh, that does not add up to me. Well, one, you get paid, right? <laughs> You get paid on on pup, but again, that, right. that that could be a Colts decision. The Colts. Could but say, what I'm saying is, you go on the is it possible, list. Kevin? That the but is it possible the Colts in the beginning said we'll put you on pup because that way you'll still get paid. Then once he started playing hardball, they said fine, we'll put you on non-football injury and you won't get paid. Gosh, there's going to be lawyers, aren't aren't there? I, but if he is the one that said, "Hey, I, if he opened that door with the back pain comment, yeah. which you know, who knows, right?" Which, which again, he is saying he did not. Correct. Taylor tweeted last night, never reported back pain, never had a back pain. Not sure your, who your sources are, but find new ones. Here's my thing: the creation of the drama is on Jonathan Taylor and his agent. But but when I say Jonathan Taylor, I mean those representing Jonathan Taylor, everything else. I mean he's obviously the 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 one that can make the final say. But the creation of this drama is on Jonathan Taylor and his agent. Jonathan Taylor and his agent are total fools if they think that that there is any way, shape, or form that this is the time to try to create leverage for yourself in some sort of an open free market at getting paid as a running back and asking for $16 million. Saquon Barkley, who's a better player than Jonathan Taylor, and Jonathan Taylor is a great football player. Saquon Barkley's a better football player. Saquon Barkley got $11 million. Jonathan Taylor and his representatives have come out and decided that, you know what, we want to get paid, and if you're not going to pay us, we'll find somebody that does. Good luck. There are two running backs right now that are just sitting reading TikTok at 5 o'clock in the morning and don't have to go to camp today anywhere that any franchise in the National Football League right now can go out and sign. You can go out and you can get Cook, you can go out and you can get Elliott, whatever it might be, and there you go, and you don't have to give up assets to get it. There is no leverage here for Jonathan Taylor. None. Zero. Nothing. Right? And, And yet, so the creation of the drama of all of that to keep the Colts surprised by this is all on Jonathan Taylor and his representatives. But the reaction is on the Colts. The, the way that the Colts have responded and reacted to this and made it public and drawn it out, that is on the Colts. So both sides are, are at fault here to a great extent. And I'm sorry. I, you know, I had said last week, you know, in the end, he's probably going to end up playing and having a great year and everybody will love him and everything's all, all is forgotten. I don't know now that that's the case, but the Colts are going to – the Colts knew going into this year, Kevin, this year was never about wins for the Colts. This year was about one thing for the Indianapolis Colts, one thing. And that was the development of Anthony Richardson. That's it. It's about the development of Anthony Richardson. Now, do they need Jonathan Taylor to help that develop? One would assume so. But what they need is some sort of just stability of a franchise for people to be able to look at it and say, this is the place that I want to go. This is the place that I want to play. And and let's be – you need Anthony Richardson to see an example of adults in the room. 
and right now, where are they? Yeah, it's uh, it's quite the first impression to send to Anthony Richardson. It's quite the first impression of support to send to Anthony Richardson when you're not willing to pay um, his, you know, by far uh, the, the best offensive player, certainly the best skill player on this team. And I think you can separate this potential back injury, which, again, Taylor is disputing. It was clear in June before any sort of back injury might have arisen, that the Colts were not willing to pay Taylor. Taylor made that very clear. Taylor was not happy in June about the Colts' stance on him. So before any sort of back issue potentially arose here, Taylor was not happy with that. To the Richardson point, Jake, that's where I think this falls into the category of this is disappointing because every single action that happens for the Colts this season, to your point, is not about wins and losses. It's about Richardson's development. And now this stunts that in some way, shape, or form, because you don't run out there a guy that actually is one of the few running backs in the league to where a defense has to have a little bit of fear or a little little bit of game plan for him, as replaceable as a running back can be. Zach Moss has had one game in his career, Jake, over 80 yards, and that was the season finale last year. Jonathan Taylor falls out of bed and and gets that seemingly on a week-in, week-out basis. To me, when I was here Saturday night, and we're talking 50 yards from here, and Jim Mercer's bus is right up there, backed up to that fence. I mean, again, 50 yards away from this north end zone. And all of a sudden, Taylor comes off that bus. Ursay does his little parade with $100 bills. He hands out to fans, and he comes over here, and he parks his golf cart, and he gets out of his golf cart, and he makes it abundantly clear that Jonathan Taylor is not going to be, or they haven't even thought of him, part of their future after this season. Taylor or Ursay talked such in the 2023 present in regards to Taylor. And at that point, Jake, he talked about Taylor playing this season and how he's going to have a great year. But again, it was all in the 2023 time frame. Never 2020. But he knew at that point Taylor had requested a trade. Sure. But at that point, I thought to myself, Jim, you're just admitting that Chris Ballard's blueprint is flawed. And it's failed this organization. Why draft Jonathan Taylor in 2020 if you're not going to pay him three years later? Why trade up for Jonathan Taylor in the 2020 draft? And you know what? Ursay was on that Zoom during COVID and said to Chris Ballard, you love this guy, move up for him. So Ursay's at fault as well because he agreed with that. He urged Chris Ballard to go ahead and do that after they took Michael Pittman you know, but, some, some seven picks earlier. So now here you are drafting a player in the second round. When you take players in the second round of a draft, you are expecting and hoping they are going to be pillars for your organization for six, eight, ten years. And yet, because he plays running back, which again, I don't disagree with the overall thought, why draft him in the second round in the first place? Fair. I, the one thing I would say to that, and I agree with that, Kevin, I think it's an excellent point the one thing i would say to that is is it possible which i think it is is it possible that at that time the colts it was beyond their wildest dream that when they drafted jonathan taylor they did not in any way shape or form think that they were going to be in a position where three years later they were pairing him with a hopeful franchise level quarterback because they were drafting the quarterback position within the top five organically in the nfl draft 40 years old understood i mean but i think they still think that but i think they still felt like I think their thought process was that Rivers was going to play more than a year and that they were going to be able to go out and get a solid placement free agent veteran that was immediately able to hit the ground running. I think they thought Carson Wentz was that guy, right? And so that once everything changed with Carson Wentz. 
the entire trajectory, blueprint, everything changed when Carson Wentz busted. At that point, and at that point, that's on Chris Ballard as well. I mean, the fact that Chris Ballard just kept trying to piecemeal the quarterback. It's the most important position in sports. And the Colts just kept going out onto Craigslist and trying to find a quarterback. Kudos to the Colts for finally saying, okay, we got to push in and get a guy and develop around him. But I think the blueprint changed when not once really but twice the veteran quarterback they thought they could get more than a year out of went belly up. Jim Irsay made it clear on Saturday night in, I believe, some audio messages. And by the way, Stephen Holder's going to join us at 9. He's been all over the story throughout. He's going to join us here live from Colts camp. Irsay made it clear that they are not trading Jonathan Taylor. Um, that was his statement on Saturday. Uh, not going to trade him now. Not going to trade him in October. I assume the October reference is towards the trade deadline, which is usually at the end of October, uh, each and every season here. Um, I know that a public statement like that sounds good, and boy, we're going to dig our feet in the sand, and we're going to stand strong here. Jake, if he is not going to be a part of this football team moving forward, and you can get anything of substance for him, you what, what are you going to get, though? In a heartbeat. That is a different question. I mean, a sixth rounder? That, that, that is a different question. You know, obviously Christian McCaffrey went for much richer than that. I think it's a different scenario in that McCaffrey had three years left on his contract when he was traded last year. McCaffrey also plays on third downs. You know, seemingly he doesn't have, I guess, and again, we don't know if the back injury is accurate or not based off this back and forth, but if if he's not going to be a part of your organization, you're not in some mood where you can, you know, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we're going to make a strong statement and we're going to slap the franchise tag on him and we're going to do this and do that. If Taylor's as dug in as he says, you trade him. Kevin. And, and, and honestly, this is a bit toxic. And it's wild for me to use that word with Taylor, but you've just got to get rid of him at this point if this is really the stance that he's going to continue to take. You do not want that toxicity in your locker room. You certainly don't want it around Anthony Richardson. You need to do it. You need to move on, see if you can get something of substance from a draft pick standpoint and continue to try and build around him. So, so build around Richardson. Regent Bryan gets on me all the time, maybe somewhat rightly, I don't know, saying that. I compare things to the past too much. Fair. But... Ursay went a little Marshall Falk Saturday. See, here's the thing. This is the thing. I go by precedent. Sometimes the precedent's two years ago. Sometimes it's 30 years ago. I'm old enough that I've been around for both. So is Jim Ursay. And Jim Ursay is, is keenly aware of all things happening historic within his franchise. And nobody is more aware of, on top of, and you know, able to chronicle off the top of his head things about this franchise than Jim Irsay. I've seen this movie before. I saw it. Now, Marshall Falk played for a year and then was traded after Manning's rookie year, was traded for a second and a fifth rounder, became Mike Peterson and Brad Scioli. In the, in the case of a running back that all of a sudden becomes unhappy at camp, threatens a holdout, then all of a sudden everything's copacetic. I've seen this movie before. It starred a guy named Eric Dickerson. He was the, he was the lead character in the, in the movie. And Eric Dickerson at first came out and he was unhappy, and so then he got suspended, and then he came back into camp and everything was good. And then he started sulking again, saying that, like, why am I only getting 10 carries when I'm getting $1.4 million a year? And Eric Dickerson ended up getting suspended, and literally the Colts had a disastrous season where they went 1-15, in and as a result of that, they during the 1-15 was greatly in part due to the due to the fact that 
Dickerson was suspended and benched, and he was their best offensive player. But it derailed their season. Jim Irsay has to know that. I realize I'm referencing something from 30-plus years ago. But Jim Irsay was here. Jim Irsay was, I believe at that time, the general manager, if I'm not mistaken. But he was always around the franchise. I can't remember what year his GM tenure ended. But my point being, Kevin, that Irsay has seen it too. He knows the potential of how this ends, which is completely sinking your franchise for the season. The one saving grace for the Colts is I don't know that this season they're worried about wins and losses. Well, they shouldn't be. And they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be but they, especially now. Because if you take your best offensive weapon, I agree with you. You, you, gotta, you need to immediately nip this in the bud or else you have the potential of the what, – what franchise in sports preaches more about culture than the Indianapolis Colts? What franchise in sports preaches more about quality guys and character and, and we draft guys, you know, we, we always we look at every aspect of it and, you know, we want good people that represent the horseshoe. If that's the case, then as soon as somebody starts to balk out against that and, and to use your word, show to be toxic, you got to get rid of them. you got to practice what you preach. I didn't get the Falk analogy at all because, it, it, to me, it's not apples to apples, Jake. When you traded Falk, you had Tart, Glenn, Marvin Harrison, and then you just – Well, what he was you, saying – And then you spent the fourth overall pick on edge. What, what I took that as is him saying – I understand the importance of a great running back to help a quarterback get his footing. Right, but I guess what I'm adding to that is you had some other pieces around Peyton at the time. You you can make the argument, Jake, they don't have other pieces around Anthony Correct. Richardson. Again, Tariq Glenn was drafted. They got a $20 million guard. A year before. Marvin Harrison was drafted two years prior. Then you drafted Edge. That is my concern with this. And again, it, it, the, the whole element of last night in the back injury dispute and for those that missed it it seemingly was Colts related sources leaking information to some media colleagues in this very market that said that Jonathan Taylor complained of back pain at the physical on opening day so that would have been last Tuesday on report day and that the Colts are contemplating putting him on the non-football injury list which would then toll his contract potentially freeze that contract until next year so he wouldn't get he wouldn't hit free agency next spring if he weren't able to play this season and that was the news item and about an hour ish probably after that information came out Jonathan Taylor fired back on Twitter saying, never had a back pain, which I don't know if that's the best grammar there. One, never had a back pain. Two, never reported back pain. Not sure who, in quotes, sources are, but find new ones. I mean, that's always the, the retort. Well, your sources are wrong. Find better sources. Okay. So he said, she said, for the umpteenth time here in the last six days, days of our lives, general hospital, all being played out here. How about all my children? In West go with all my children? I feel like my mom loved days of our lives. The hourglass. I got I got addicted to General Hospital in college. It was kind of an issue. It does sound like you guys got like a soap opera going on because it sounds like there's like an auric in the background just vacuuming the carpet while the <laughs> while the drama's going on. That would be somebody. I don't know what they're. Are they? Do they go? They're mowing the the dew. Is that what they're doing? They're not mowing the grass. They're well, just sure, drying yeah. up. Yeah. You got to mow the grass, man. Come on. The, the grass is, it's like, a, it looks literally like the putting green of a golf course. Got to treat like it's Augusta National here. Full pads coming off of the cold. They have practiced. It's not just the Jonathan Taylor drama. They actually have had three practices. If anyone wants to talk about that, I'm sure we can hit on that throughout the show. Good Monday morning to you. As we said to lead off things, it feels awesome. 
on this Monday morning from a temperature standpoint. July 31st, the final day of July, uh, nowhere near the sort of humidity and heat that we had last week. So much better if you're coming out to Grand Park for practice. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, we are live here at Grand Park in Westfield. 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Kevin, go ahead and say it. Come on now. Don't look down, Mark Dykton. Although, here come the Cubs as well. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, here come the Cubs. Well, the Cubs are surging maybe in the NL Central, but if they are targeting the first-place team, that would be none other than... The Red Legs. The Cincinnati Reds. 9-0 winners over the Dodgers yesterday. Reds now take control back in the National League Central. Cubs losers to the Cardinals 3-0 yesterday. Other winners, Major League Baseball. Atlanta over the Brewers. That's what helps the Reds out. 8-6. Atlanta gets the win yesterday. It was the Guardians 5-0 over the White Sox. How about cute fella? Tripling up the Yankees. 9-3. Baltimore wins yesterday. Can we just go ahead and declare that I've won the PBR race. Let's pump we, the brakes it, a little bit there. Let's not get out of our, ahead of our seat. Arizona lost 4 nothing to the Mariners. Come on now. I know. Indianapolis know. Indians, by the way, 11-3 winners over the Louisville Bats. Mark, four-game series starts tonight, right? Yep, at Wrigley. Cubs-Reds should be a good one. Going to be a big one with how those two teams are situated right now in the NL Central. Other items of note from the weekend, the Indiana Fever continue to lose games as they look to be on track for another very high pick. Maybe Caitlin Clark, maybe Angel Reese coming to the Fever next year. Uh, And then tonight, or do we call it tomorrow morning? I guess technically it's tomorrow morning. It is a 3 a.m. kick for the United States women's soccer team win or draw against the Portuguese. Clearly, that's 3 a.m. local time, right? Three, yeah, I think they're going to do local time here. I think they're going to play that actually during sunlight uh, down under. Uh, but a win or draw, and again, Portugal doesn't seem like the actually that would be nighttime there, wouldn't it? In the world, um, seven p.m. Yeah, daylight. Yeah, yeah, probably is like early. I think it's a sixteen-hour difference. Yeah. Um, so they need a win or a draw to advance out of their group, and that will be a very early kickoff again here local time. Colts camp full pads coming on ten a.m. today. The drama. The soap opera is alive and well. We'll talk about all of it on the other side. Kevin and Quay right here, 93.5107.5, The Fan. You know, Mark Dykton back in studio. Mark, I, I have to admit, we're a couple breaks into the show. I'm disappointed we have not gotten the days of our lives reentry. Well, I, I got to wait for the I got to wait for the vacuum to start again. Oh, it's out there. Just the mower's wait. moved. The mower's moved. It's probably, what, 40-yard line, Jake? Other 40? Is it, yeah. Is it past midfield? You have a, you have a better view. Well, we are. Si- and and by the way, anybody that's watching online right now on the YouTube channel, and those that are, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, we are out here at Colts Camp, obviously. Nick has joined us. and But um, Maya Bradley and, as well, Landon doing their regular jam-up job here of getting us all set up and ready to roll and ready to go which is always appreciated um but i'm staring straight into the sun like literally straight into it right so i'm double dipping on the sunglasses and i know it looks ridiculous and and i don't really care um but if you're wondering why if you're watching yes i do know that i'm wearing two pairs of sunglasses just an fyi it's quite the look (laughs) i'm sure it looks ridiculous jake for but it's functional Let's put the back injury debate aside with Taylor because it's a he said, she said. Which, okay. I mean, we can make the argument. A lot of this is he said, she said at this point. But for those that missed it last night, the Colts, you know, leak to, you know, fellow media colleagues. Hey, Taylor had a back injury that 
we found out about when he failed his physical and we're contemplating putting him on the non-football injury list and you know there's more to the story here taylor heavily disputed that on ta- on twitter last night and went back at those anonymous sources for that let's put that to the back burner which again it's wild that that i i'm even saying that jonathan taylor has made a formal trade request to jim mercy Jim Mersey has made it abundantly clear that as of July, whatever he did, 29th, I guess it would have been Saturday, that they will not be trading him. How should the Colts handle that trade request from Taylor? How should they handle it is to probably say we understand your request, but it, it, it depends, Kevin. A lot of times, a lot of franchises will honor, they'll say, you know what, we understand. And they'll, they will privately then start taking calls or making calls. That's how the Colts should have done it. I don't believe that the Colts have any interest in, in parting ways with Jonathan Taylor. That's the difference. And I, and I think that... So what, what's the hesitancy? Is the okay, hesitancy where, where I think money. Where I think Jim Mercer and Chris Ballard have erred, and that's E-R-R-E-D, not... A-I-R-E-D, which they've also done. But where I think they have erred, maybe not Ballard as much, but Ursay is, and I understand it, but I think that Jim Ursay thinks that there is like this culture and family camaraderie and unity within his franchise that can overcome all adversity. And I think that Ursay deep down, at least at this point, thinks to himself, this will work itself out. Yeah, I know that he's unhappy, but he's going to come out and have a 1,300-yard season with 11 touchdowns, and he's going to love Shane Steichen's offense, and the fans are going to love him, and this will all work out. Our culture wins out in the end. Our locker room culture wins out in the end. And in all areas and avenues leading up to this year with Jonathan Taylor, I would say that probably is accurate. But his new, ever since he got the new agent, things have changed, and they're playing hardball. And Taylor feels like somebody asked her, like, what is Taylor even wanting? Reportedly, Taylor is looking for $16 million a year. Saquon Barkley got $11 million a year for a one-year deal to, to hold things off. $16 million is extremely aggressive for a running back. I, I get it. Jonathan Taylor, his value is more in Indianapolis than it's going to be a lot of places for a number of reasons of what he means to this team offensively. But to answer your question long-winded and circuitously, Kevin, it's my belief that the Colts, when they got a trade request from him, should have said, listen, l- let's just pump the brakes here a little bit and let's let this play out and we'll see where it goes. And if he would have said no, I'm not I am not playing a game for you. Then you go ahead and you start working back channels to find out what his value is on the on the market in in trades, which is going to be virtually nothing because a team that is interested in Jonathan Taylor is probably going to say, "You know what? We can we can just sign a guy." Right? We'll just we'll just go out and get Cook. We'll just go out and get Elliott, whatever it might be. Yeah, I mean, I think Jonathan Taylor is a much better player than Ezekiel Elliott at this point. In well, the no, I, I don't. I think he's better than Ezekiel Elliott at Elliott's best. But one of them you have to give up assets for. The other one you can sign right off the street. Yeah, you know, I think at times, especially with the Colts, we get so caught up and and you know, oh my gosh, you know, how much money are you going to pay him? Sixteen million is ridiculous. Haven't we talked just endlessly about the Colts sitting on cash? And just losing football games. And I think that's probably what his agent's telling him, right? You know, I I said on Friday, and I still think it's very realistic. I think the plan that I would do if I were the Colts at that point is I would hand Jonathan Taylor a three-year deal worth $39 million, so 13 annually. I'd front load that, and I'd say take it or leave it. And people have kind of countered and say, why not just franchise tag him? Well, the franchise tag goes up 
20% each year. I don't want rising cap hits as I'm starting to pay more and more people, as I'm starting to try and find the missing ingredients with Anthony Richardson. That's where I'm at in this. Two other kind of things that have popped in my head, Jake, in the last 48 hours. One is this. How much of this is Shane Steichen? Chris Ballard last Tuesday made it very clear on more than one occasion he referenced the new coaching staff and we've got to evaluate everybody. How much is this Shane Steichen coming from Philly and saying, yeah, you know, we had Miles Sanders. We also rotated a whole lot of running backs. My offense, what I want to do here, we don't need that sort of big, big money guy at running back. I don't know if that's the thing that's really at play here, but I do think it's worth just thinking about. Um, And then the other thing, and I I believe you you, you kind of hinted at this just a few minutes ago, Jake. Part of me does not blame Jonathan Taylor at all for having this sort of stance of wanting to get paid here in Indianapolis. Totally agree. Because if you think back to June, Taylor's comments then, the biggest talking point he had in that media session with us was, I know the past precedent here. Chris Ballard has proven, on the Chris Ballard epitaph of GM, it'll say, I pay players regardless of position. If we like you, if you outperform your rookie deal, you could play guard, you could play linebacker, you could play anything. We're going to pay you. They paid Naeem Hines. They paid Shaquille Leonard coming off an injury. They paid Quentin Nelson coming off an injury. So if you're Taylor, you're thinking, wait a minute. Okay. I, I'm just as good as any of those Kevin, guys, if not better. You paid all of them. Why aren't you paying me? Okay. I think you're also thinking this. Jonathan Taylor's rookie year, who was his quarterback? Rivers. Jonathan Taylor's second quarterback was who? Wentz. Jonathan Taylor's third quarterback was who? Boy, I hate to say it, mostly a corpse. Matt Ryan, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, those guys, granted, it's apples and oranges because they were at the end of their career. Well, Wentz wasn't. Rivers and Ryan were. Rivers will take out of the equation because I think everybody knew, and he still, I thought, played at a pretty good level. But Carson Wentz is the big one. Jonathan Taylor looks at Carson Wentz. He's a young player. That's the quarterback that's brought in. And Jonathan Taylor is under the expectation that Carson Wentz is going to be his quarterback for a handful of years and probably into his prime. Because when Carson Wentz was acquired by the Indianapolis Colts, everyone, everyone, including Carson Wentz, Chris Ballard, Jim Mercer, everyone expected that Carson Wentz was going to be a multi-year player and the quarterback that Indianapolis was now handing over the keys of the kingdom towards. And what Jonathan Taylor saw was a guy that came out, had an injury right away in camp, then came in, was inconsistent, and butted heads with the owner and was shipped out of town on the first Mayflower truck to pass through. Right? Jonathan Taylor has to see that and go, wow, the NFL really does stand for not for long, especially around here. And then... He sees Matt Ryan come in that that seemingly has some, admittedly, he was, you know, coming in at the end of his career, but I think most people thought he still had some semblance of a guy that could play and give them a few years of production, and Jonathan Taylor looks at it and goes, wow, he fell off a cliff overnight and had a multi-year deal here, but as soon as he showed that he couldn't play anymore, granted, he was, it's a different scenario, but he was essentially replaced by a guy that most people even those in tech even those people in texas had never heard of or didn't you know so jonathan taylor's looking at it going 
this league is really fickle. The second that you show that you can't play or there's deterioration, you're, you're going to get shipped out. I'm a guy that's, that's carried a lot of carries at Wisconsin and with the Colts. I've been durable, but I started to have injury. It hurt me a year ago. My numbers went down a little bit. I had, I had surgery. I need to get paid, and I need to get paid now because there's precedent that I have witnessed with my own two eyes within this franchise that even when a guy is tabbed as the next big thing, the second that he showed any sort of an issue on the field or off the field, he was run out of town. So I need to get mine. Yeah, I don't know if the aging quarterbacks and the Carson Wentz resurrection necessarily apply to like running backs. I'm not, but but I think again, I, I get that points more to you paid Hines, you paid Nelson, you paid Braden Smith, you paid Leonard, and you railroaded guys four year four. Why am I not getting paid? Understood, and, and that's you what have I'm saying. Cap space. You, you, you add the two together, Kevin. You, you take that, and then you also look at it, and you go, "Man, I, I've seen them decide when they were done with a guy that they were done with a guy, and are they done with me? Because I want to get paid. So I'm going to make it known that I, I want to get paid, and they've told me that I have value here. Show me. That's the big thing. You, you, you tell me that I have value here. Show me I have value. I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that I agree with the approach of Jonathan Taylor here at all. It, it kind of goes back to the Chris, the Chris Rock line, right? I may not agree with how you're doing this, but I do understand. It, it, to me, it's the same thing. And I think that two things come into play here. The first being, we don't know, guys. We think we do fans, media, whatever. We think we know guys. Like, oh, he's a, he's a great guy. He's a team guy. In the end, man, everybody's out for themselves, just in life in general. But then secondly, like the Colts, the, the, the brass of the Colts, we think we know what their game plan is, but Kevin, this thing's a disaster right now. This franchise has been, has been dealing with inconsistency now for a decade and the most consistent thing about the indianapolis colts has been drama yeah hard knock should come here again totally soap opera uh, we'll take some calls 317-239-1070 if you guys have some thoughts on this um you know walking away from the jim mercy media scrum just whatever 25 yards away from us on saturday night and walking away from that he made it very clear that any sort of extension would not be being handed to Jonathan Taylor. Um, another thought about supporting Anthony Richardson um, was something that I kept on thinking about on my drive home. We'll touch on that coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Stephen Holder, by the way, is going to join us here at 9 o'clock. Uh, live at Grand Park, the Colts will have their fourth practice of training camp here later today. That will be in full pads. So that's coming up 10 a.m. to get things started. Morning practices Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Thursday this week, a night practice on Saturday, and another, I think it's an afternoon practice on Sunday. You're listening to Kevin Aquari live here in Westfield, 935 1075 The Fan. You're listening to Kevin Aquari on 93.5 and 1075 The Fan. You just want to be treated fairly, um, and not even treated fairly. You just want to be, you know, appreciated for what you bring to the team. It's never about yourself. It's about the team. It was a good conversation and, and uh, you know, I'm hopeful as we go forward. Looking forward to a great season. Hoping Jonathan's a big part of that. Star running back Jonathan Taylor requested a trade. I mean, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to 
misses, the league goes on. I mean, you know, we know that. The National Football rolls on. It doesn't matter, you know, who, who comes and who goes. That old die comment was really odd. Yeah, that's a bit... Which I guess odd in Jim Mercy media sessions for, typically. For, in multiple ways, that's a that's Are some takeaways. Um, yeah, some mashups there from Jim Mercy mainly Saturday night. Again, he had his RV. Jake, he had it parked right under that tree right there. I'm thinking, did he ask? He clearly asked the owners, right? You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I do this in Speedway during the month of May. You guys care <laughs> if I just park this right here? What about uh, the rooster thought? He set up shop right there, and Jonathan Taylor and him spoke for about an hour, tweeted out a video clip of Taylor making his exit off the practice field after that conversation and to say he looked disappointed, mad, frustrated, all the above would be an understatement. And then, what, about 20 minutes later, the report came out of his trade request, something that Jim Mercer said will not be honored, not now, not in October. The another layer to this storyline happened late last night. Everything seems to be happening late at night. I guess that's when people are most active on social media. Uh, but the Colts mentioning that Taylor, I assume the Colts, I should say, leaking this information to some local media members that uh, Taylor had a back issue and failed the physical last Tuesday and that means he could go on the non-football injury list and that means the Colts would not have to pay him here for 2023. Taylor was adamant that uh, that is not true and took Twitter last night to say that he did not report any back pain and that those people should get uh, or should check their sources. The, the dangerous place here, Kevin, for Jonathan Taylor is this. You know, I've been in, I, I think most people have, okay? I think most people have been in situations in their workplace at some point where they feel they are underappreciated or they feel that somewhere else, someone above them or someone parallel to them is getting better treatment or, or getting, you know, getting a, a promotion they should have gotten, whatever it might be. I think most people at some point in their life can relate to that. And that's a difficult thing to overcome, quite frankly. You know, I, I think I've been in situations, and admittedly, I mean, open disclaimer, it's not currently, but in my past, I've been in situations from a work standpoint where I felt like, you know, they were bringing in people for interviews for a position just above me that I had applied for internally and I'm like what's going on here why am I not getting and like on Monday Wednesdays and Fridays I'd go to bed at night like thinking I was getting completely screwed and on Tuesdays and Thursdays I was like you know what I have a job and, and, and I enjoy that so that's cool I mean it, it's a tough place psychologically I think most people can relate to that in their work in some point shape or form if Jonathan Taylor has whether it's he himself or his agent, but if he has it planted somewhere inside of him that he is getting slighted by this franchise or other people are getting their due and he's not getting what's owed to him, that's a, and I'm not saying that he's wrong. But that's a tough thing to, to come back from. And, you know, maybe it is that three days a week, that's how he feels. And the other, I don't know. But as soon as you plant that in your mind, it is a tough, tough thing to overcome. And what the Colts need to decide now, Kevin, is whether or not that dissatisfaction from Jonathan Taylor can 
have ripple effect by hurting the rest of the locker room. Remember uh, Ursay's initial tweet about this thing last week and, and referencing um, you know, bad faith from agents, I think was the end of that tweet. There was a lot more to what that he said. And I remember on the uh, show right after that tweet was sent out, I said that this might sound ridiculous, but I think that tweet was more of Ursay defending the shield. More of him on this power trip league-wide. More on this, the owners have got to band together. We've got to stand strong. We've got to back the collective bargaining agreement. All of those things. And I think that is something that continues to be at play here. Tim asked this. I think it's a great question. Is there a school of thought that even if Ballard was willing to negotiate with Taylor, Ursay would not want to buck the running back value set by his fellow owners, a la what Jimmy Haslam, the Browns owner, did with Deshaun Watson? Uh, yes. Yes, I, I, I think that is at play here, that that is some of what Ursay is doing. Jake, what I find interesting about it is by Ursay doing this, he's admitting his GM has failed. He's admitting his GM's blueprint is wrong. Because why draft him in round two? Why trade up for him in round two? That is an admittance of you were wrong. And and if the Colts thought they were in a Super Bowl mindset in 2020, that is a ridiculous thing to think that Phillip Rivers is going to take this team to the Super Bowl. And certainly, that's not how you draft. You, you, you don't When you're a team coming off a missed playoff appearance from the year before, you'd won seven games, you're not drafting in that sort of mindset. Um, so that, I think, is something that last year, Ballard's own blueprint, the offensive line failed. Now, with this decision, it's failed again. When is enough enough? That's a fair question. I, 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 the other failure to me, Kevin, that comes into play here, and I'm going to repeat what I said earlier, but I truly believe this. Jonathan Taylor is, life's about timing. In most circumstances, life's about timing. And in Jonathan Taylor's case, the timing did not fall his way. And by that, I mean, when the Colts drafted Jonathan Taylor, yes, you are correct, Kevin, that I don't think anybody thought Phillip Rivers was the long-term answer here. But I think that Chris Ballard, Jim Irsay, at that time Frank Reich, you know, they were under the assumption that drafting Jonathan Taylor, that they were probably going to be able to go out and get Either A, they were going to draft a quarterback and develop him, and that was going to be on par. The timing was with Jonathan Taylor's rise, and you were going to have two guys kind of you know learning and in their prime together. Or B, they were going to be able to go out and spend to get a free agent, big splash quarterback that was going to be the anchor here for at minimum a half dozen years. And that's where, and I'm not saying it's entirely Chris Ballard's fault, that Carson Wentz was the guy that they opted for because it kind of fell into play for them. But I do think that when they brought in Carson Wentz, they were under the assumption that Carson Wentz was going to be the quarterback here for a number of years leading into the prime of Jonathan Taylor. And it's not Jonathan Taylor's fault that that was a total miscalculation in terms of the personality of Carson Wentz more than anything else. And, you know, Wentz comes in, he gets hurt right away. He was just kind of aloof. I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but he was something just missed. Something was off. And it totally reshuffled the blueprint. They literally, they went to like blueprint number three and had to reshuffle the deck 
And that unfortunately then made Jonathan Taylor completely expendable because no longer were you in need of a running back that was going to be entering his prime with a quarterback at the same time. Now you've completely started over. They've completely started over. And the entire focus one, one A, two, two B, and three right now for the Indianapolis Colts are Anthony Richardson, Richardson, Anthony, uh, AR5, quarterback out of Florida, and rookie QB. Those are the priorities of the Indianapolis Colts right now. So Jonathan Taylor comes to them and goes, hey, I, I got a problem here. And they go, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's right. You were the guy that at one time was part of our, our, our massive build. But shouldn't support for Richardson be atop that list? I agree with that. that that's just that I, that doesn't add up to me. I agree with that. What are that, you using this money on? You're sitting that, on that 19 support, million Kevin, in cap space. If you, I understand that, but if you are the Colts, you're looking at it and you're going, "Look, we can commit big money to this guy, but why do that when he's under contract for this year and then we franchise tag him next year and it's still it, you're getting it like 10 million. He wants 16 million a year. We're not doing it. We we have. The Colts have him dead to rights. And Jonathan Taylor has zero leverage. What's his leverage? That the Colts aren't good. Understood, but what's what's his leverage? His leverage is if you don't don't play me, then what? I'm going to hold out? Okay, then we won't pay you. So, I'm sorry, if you don't pay me, I'm going to hold out. Okay, then we won't pay or play you. Where where is he going to go? What what franchise? Jonathan Taylor is a wonderful player. Do not get me wrong; he's a great player. But he means more to the Colts than he would at most franchises. And those other franchises, like I said before, running backs, man. Not only are they a dime a dozen, but there's two of them that are nice fifty cent pieces that are sitting right there for anybody to just go in and buy off the shelf without having to give up any assets to get them. Yeah, I can't wait to ask that to Stephen Holder come up here at nine because I do believe. Clearly, the Taylor camp and, and you know his agent beyond childish with his social media presence. But I think the Taylor camp clearly believes there is a team out there that is willing to pay him. The question that becomes this: willing to pay and give the Colts some sort of trade package that is? Wouldn't you just pay Dalvin Cook? Respectable again. I, I think Taylor is a younger, better player than than Dalvin Cook. Um, but to your point, Jake, if you look at that 2024 free agency class with with running backs, I mean, it is filled with names. Um, now, again, I, I think you could make the argument Taylor might be the best of that group, but given the price tag that he potentially is asking for, that's a fair question. Yeah, we'll take some calls on this from you guys. 317-239-1070. Your thoughts on the Jonathan Taylor situation. Jake, the other thing I wanted to mention in relation to Saturday night, Ursay has that media scrum. I'm walking up there with Mike Chappell back to the media center afterwards. I say to Chapp, there is no chance Jonathan Taylor is here beyond 2023 after hearing that. But the other thought that I had was, you need to right now hand Michael Pittman a contract extension. Right now. Do it today. Because if you all of a sudden go into next year and you say to Anthony Richardson, hey, man, here's Zach Moss, Alec Pierce, and Mo Alley-Cox. Good luck. Those are your top three skill guys. Where is the support for him? Right. Again, when you drafted Richardson, what did you say? You made a commitment to major development. That's what you said with that pick. You said, here is a clay that we have got to mold, but we have got to do our part in supporting him. Because I'd make the argument, and again, it's a different scenario, but I'd make the argument the Colts have failed in support for Rivers, failed in support of Wentz, failed in support of Ryan. Now, those guys didn't do their part, and I should say mostly Wentz and and, uh, Ryan, but the Colts haven't done their part either on the other end of that. And so if you are going to let Jonathan Taylor walk, which 
obviously, by all accounts, that is seemingly what the Colts are going to do. You have got to extend, and what it's going to look like an overpay, and I don't care. You've got to retain Michael Pittman, or else you are handing Anthony Richardson. You're making him walk into a kitchen with one of the barest cupboards you've ever seen. And again, I go back to precedent. Jim Mercer's seen that precedent. Jim Mercer, no one references the historical archive of this franchise more than Jim Mercer and understands it. He's been around it from the time that he was 10 years old and was packing bags in the locker room. No one references it and uses that as a database more than Jim Mercer. And Jim Mercer knows two things. He knows the history of an unhappy running back through camp and what it did to his season. And he knows the history of a quarterback that was brought in with all the tools and no weapons and how disastrous it was. So he knows both. And that's part of the predicament. Tanner says this, JT's leverage is he's the best player on the team, regardless of position. I don't disagree. When I say his leverage, what I'm saying is his leverage elsewhere. Like his his marketability elsewhere. I totally agree. I understand where Jonathan Taylor is coming from 100% in terms of saying to the Colts, like, look, man, what do you want me to do here? What, what, what is the issue? What, do you want, what more do you want me to do? I get that. But unfortunately for him, unfortunately for him, Jonathan Taylor is the most loyal spouse ever. And there's marital issues. And so he is saying, like, look, if you don't. If he just you don't, got married, by the way, Jonathan Did Taylor. he? This offseason, yeah. Okay. Congrats. Um, but what I'm saying, but the spouse is saying like, well, who else is like, nobody else is going to date. Every every other person in the neighborhood's happily married. So good luck. Like, there's nowhere for him to go. Mike goes, maybe Ursay's following the Falk Edge history and making this AR's team. I I just don't think past precedent of Falk and Edge applies here because again, Tarek Glenn, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne are not on this football team. You, well, you, you, you don't have the answer with, at left tackle. With, you, you, you don't have this second-year wideout that is going to be an eventual Hall of Famer like Marvin Harrison. Kevin, where, where he erred with the Falk, Edron, James comment was Ursay was simply trying to point out that it is true that a good running game offers stability for a young quarterback. And he was just simply pointing out, hey – you know, Peyton had Falk in the beginning and then Edron. So we always had the running back position stable for him, which allowed him stability. That, that's what he was trying to point out there. And people took that as him talking about the fact that Falk had been traded and, and thinking that that was a trade comment. But it, what's interesting about the comment is Ursay there in the negotiation, if you will, was essentially fueling the fire that Jonathan Taylor's – if I'm Jonathan Taylor's agent, I've got that – comment plastered on poster board see you yourself are saying that for a, a quarterback to get footing early in his career he needs a solid running back i mean yeah yeah he was I, talking out both sides of his mouth totally 100 percent. um let's take some callers mark uh just cue up whoever you want to start with here all right let's start with george morning george hey good morning fellas uh great great, great show unfortunate topic we have to talk about Uh, Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty well said. Yeah, uh, just want to share a thought on Ballard and then share a couple things I disagree with Jake on. First off, y'all have mentioned it. So many of these problems start with the root cause and the why of Ballard not having done his job in the past. 
and were not set up for success in the future, he should have never have been retained. Where I disagree with Jake on JT is he, he doesn't have leverage. He's coming off of an injury plate season where he underproduced. There's a market where running backs aren't getting the money. Why does he think he is going to be the one to set that bar? The, George, the thing is, I, I begin to – George. Ursay would have this stance no matter who the quarterback was, whether it's Richardson, Rivers, it, it, all the quarterbacks they got over the years. He's not going to give in no matter what. Well, first off, I, I, you might have misunderstood me. I, I don't think that I've said that Jonathan Taylor had any le- – I, I believe I said he has zero leverage, right? I mean, I, so I'm in agreement with you there. I think he's a wonderful player for the Colts. I think he's, an, he's a great player, but I think he has more value to the Colts than he does elsewhere, and that's what I'm saying. When I say leverage, I mean his threat to, like, demand a trade. Uh, if you're the Colts, you're like, well, dude, who are we going to trade you to? So, I mean, I'm in agreement with you. You know, you're, you're a running back coming off an ankle. You're on the physically unable to perform list, for crying out loud. He is a key part of what the Colts offensively have schematically designed. I don't know that that translates league-wide. Jake, the Christian McCaffrey trade last year at the trade deadline um, was the, obviously the Panthers sending him to the 49ers. The 49ers sent back a second, a third, and a fourth round pick in what ended up being the 2023 draft, and then also a fifth rounder here in 2024. When you look at that trade package, and again, McCaffrey was under contract for I think it was three more years. He obviously brings a presence on third down. I do also think you can make the argument that McCaffrey's had more injury history history than Taylor. I know Taylor's coming off the ankle situation, but I think McCaffrey had a little bit more injury history than Taylor. When you look at that, Jake, second, third, fourth, and a fifth, how do you think that would compare to a Jonathan Taylor potential trade? I I think Taylor right now, again, wonderful player, but coming off an ankle injury, coming off a, what, 800-yard season, and going into a market where not only is the running back being devalued, but two of the more productive ones in the last handful of years are sitting there right now for teams, if they so choose to get a running back, to to get without having to give up assets to get them. So I I just don't know. So knock off the third, fourth, and fifth? Do you think you get a second rounder for him? Taylor? Yeah. I think you get a sixth-round pick for him. A sixth-round pick for Jonathan Taylor? Maybe a fifth. A fifth or sixth-round pick. That would be my guess. Yeah, I, I would think you you could. Now, you're going to need multiple teams that are going to be willing to bid. But even if he's a one-year rental, Jake, I think you could get more than that. I mean, if you're a Super Bowl win-now team, you wouldn't give up a fourth-round pick and think it's a one-year rental for him? Uh, okay, I mean, a four, but, but third rounder. My point up. being, like, people that think that he's going to be parlay into, like, a first, like, a big time. I'll put it to you this way, okay? You, for the most part, Kevin, the law of averages – and would dictate that Jonathan Taylor's trade value right now in terms of a draft pick would be that you would be trading a guy that has been your most productive offensive player and you are now in a position where you would be trading him for somebody who comes in and based on the law of averages on that draft spot, you are bringing in a guy that is probably a special teams player and spot fill in every down player. A fourth, if you want to say fourth, that's cool. But fourth to sixth, you know, you're going to trade Jonathan Taylor, and at best, you're going to draft another EJ Speed. He's a good player. Don't get me wrong, good player. But Jonathan Taylor is 
there is the Colts trading Jonathan Taylor to the Colts. I would think is not very intriguing or appealing except for the fact that you are getting rid of what now, and that's what the Colts have to determine. You have The Colts have to determine whether or not this situation is becoming too toxic to move forward with. And quite frankly, the Colts are starting to lose benefit of the doubt on their ability to assess what is and is not detrimental or positive for their franchise. Yeah, I think one thing the Colts need to do, and it's a harsh reality of the business, though, I think you wait for the big running back camp injury. Yeah, that, you know, that's, who's, that's, who's the running back that tears his ACL? Right. Who's the running back that goes down for quite a while? I think if that were to occur, then maybe that increases a little bit of trade value you'd have. And obviously, the thing that you want more than any is for two teams to view Taylor in the light of, we want him and we're willing to give him a multi-year deal. And that is seemingly... Not something that, given the running back market value, that would be too abundant. But, but Kevin, I'm going to go back to, and I know that I'm harping on this, but you tell me why, okay? If you are, give me a name, give me, give me a team off the top of your head. Uh, the Titans. Tennessee, well, I mean, they have Derrick Henry. Okay, so Derrick Henry gets hurt, right? So if you're the Tennessee Titans and you feel like you're running back away this year and Derrick Henry goes down, and and... Dalvin Cook is sitting there, and you give up nothing for him other than a contract for a year. Why would you trade? Why would you give up future assets? Or for that matter, Ezekiel Elliott. And I'm, I'm in agreement. I'm not a huge fan of Ezekiel Elliott. But he is a guy that has productivity in the NFL and, and knows the game. Either of those two guys, if you're going to get 80% of the production that Jonathan Taylor gives you, and in the case of Cook, it's probably 90%. If you're going to get that but give up zero to get him, why would you trade? Well, I think you look at Taylor and say he's 24 years old. He's great off the field. But if you're only getting him for a year as a rental. But that's the thing. If you're going to trade for him, obviously you have to think in the multi-year sense, and you would have to, of course, do that behind the scenes, and we'll see if the Colts will even let uh, Taylor's team do that. But when now teams do things really hungry. I mean, a lot of people, I think, questioned San Francisco's trade last year for Christian McCaffrey with that price. Now, obviously, it didn't work out for San Francisco, and certainly some injuries at quarterback contributed to that, but they made a run in the playoffs. But you would be thinking in a very win-now mode, which, again, is not something that we've thought about in this market for quite some time. So it's probably very foreign to us, Jake, to even think about such an idea. But if you are viewing this as a, we are ready, we are pushing for it, we are feel like we're just one piece away, and you have multiple third-round picks, multiple second-round picks for next year, you might say, all right, we'll do it. And... Maybe we'll throw the franchise tag on him. Or we think our environment will create a little bit of a happier Jonathan Taylor, and we'll throw out a multi-year deal for two, something like that. That would be, I think, some of the thought process. Kevin, you tell me if I'm being too critical here, okay? Because I, I do have an ability sometimes to be too cynical and too critical. So I need you to be my voice of reason. Maybe, maybe people listening can text me or tweet me and tell me if they think I'm being too unreasonable here with this statement. Of the pro franchises that I have covered in my lifetime and college, they all do this to an extent. They all do it to an extent. But I don't know that anybody does it more than the Colts. And that is preach the importance of character as a priority when assessing and bringing in talent. Okay? And the fact that 
camaraderie, chemistry, and overall character are important things. And by no... I have no reason to believe that Jonathan Taylor is a bad person. I, I think he's getting bad advice, for sure. But... For a franchise that seems to preach that more than any other, there always seems to be drama. For the last 10 years, there's just there seems to be consistent drama. I, whether it be, and with Andrew Luck, I don't think it was necessarily malcontent as much as health. Carson Wentz, it was probably a little bit of both. You know, now Jonathan Taylor, I mean, it's we're not talking about like, third-string defensive backs. I mean, we're talking about primary players. What's going on where every year there seems to be... Maybe maybe this is the case with every franchise. That's entirely possible. I don't cover the Arizona Cardinals. I don't cover the Denver Broncos. I don't cover the, the New York Jets. But it, am I wrong, Kevin, in saying that there seems to be an unusual balance between the profess of character and chemistry and actual drama like sands through the hourglass so are the days of our lives no i think it's a great point i do oh i love it so are the days of our lives how about that teamwork mark Dyken? that sounds like 1960 by the way 19, mark that was beautiful 1972 you were all over that, yeah. Mark. We didn't even talk about that off air. That was absolutely beautiful Fantastic from Mark Dykton. Uh, no, Jake, I think you're I think you're right on that. Stephen Holder going to join us in a half hour. We'll continue to take your calls on this situation. I do want to touch on a few things non-Jonathan Taylor related from practice Saturday night as it was a sold-out crowd here. And we saw a little bit of adjustment in the quarterback reps. So we'll touch on that coming up here as well. Before all of that, let's do a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Play it, Mark. Play it. No. Come on. What, what do you mean? Like, no. They're, they're leading the division. Okay. Okay, and then okay. they got a four-game series against the we'll Cubs. Just, we'll we'll just get the live that. version of it. Kevin, go ahead. Don't look now, but here come the Red Legs. Cincinnati Reds back in first in the National League Central. That's because yesterday the Atlanta Braves did them a solid by knocking off the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Reds, 9-0 winners over the L.A. Dodgers. So the Red Legs back atop the National League Central. Also, by the way, the Arizona Diamondbacks, I think, lo- excuse me, lost yesterday. Um, and cute fella tripled up the Yankees, 9-3. So Yankees just stink. give me the PBR now. Well, hey. And cute fellow's good. What you guys can I think say? the Reds make a deal before the deadline? Uh, They've yes, been quiet I think so they far. Do. Yeah, I think they so. do. I don't know what, but I think they do. They need to add pitching, that's for sure. Don't Certainly. Look, don't look now, but here there come the Red Legs. Gosh, so you do. Mark, look at you. Welcome back, Mark. Uh, other items of note from the weekend. Indiana Fever continue to lose basketball games. They've lost a lot of them here recently. I think it was the Storm that beat them yesterday. Uh, and the U.S. women's soccer team, they need a tie or a victory at 3 a.m. tomorrow morning against Portugal. Can we just say 3 a.m. tonight? Everybody knows no, what we mean. No, 3 a.m. So tomorrow funny. morning like throws me off. I know. So basically, basically what we're talking about is... You stay up or wake early for 17 that. hours from now, or what, 19 hours from now, right? Yeah. 
So that's 7 o'clock at night. In, are they in New Zealand or Australia? Your Mountain Dew is attracting bees. <laughs> I once was interviewing Joe Tiller, and we were getting swarmed by bees. And I said, man, these, these little sweat bees are all around us. And I think they're attracted to hair gel. And Joe Tiller said, well, I can guess which of the two of us is the culprit. Yeah. Or his 70 bottles, Joe, of his cologne that he has <laughs> at home. I didn't, I didn't put any cologne on this morning. So, yes, win or draw, the U.S. will advance. Uh, and then Colts practice. Coming up today, full pads at 10 a.m. It is the fourth practice of Colts training camp. They will don those for the first time here. It is a busy week at Grand Park. Practices in the morning. Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, a night practice Saturday, Sunday afternoon, another session. Jake, how about a week from Saturday? They'll play a preseason game in Buffalo. Unbelievable. And then all of a sudden you blink your eyes twice and I'm at the Yuletide and people are yelling at me for it. <laughs> we'll continue you know to I mean? take your calls. Kevin By the way, here. one other sports note, uh, I beat Shannon at uh, Birdie's Whoa. in miniature golf. Right yeah. here in Westfield? Oh, yeah. Nice. Went and played a little mini golf. Look at uh, you. You've always been worried about your golf game. Was that well, more of you or more of a Shannon thing? No, I've, like I've driven past it. I'm like, it looks like a cool place. It was a, it was good. You know, nice. it was the two of us and then 10,000 people here for baseball tournaments and softball tournaments. Um, but it was fun. Good dinner. Had a an, an ice cold beer and went out and played some miniature golf. It was good. Uh, he's Jake Quarry. I'm Kevin Bowen. We are live here at Grand Park in Westfield. Kevin and Quarry, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Kevin, it's funny the way things work. I, you know, you always try to – I try to actually, you know, handle such things that I'm about to read in a professional, responsible fashion because in today's era you can't rule out anything, but you also can't immediately jump on something without doing the due diligence of verifying it. Uh, yesterday I got the following tweet. I think you were tagged on it last night, as a matter of fact. Hey, guys, I just got home from my mom's house. She works at, and I'm not going to say the name of the hospital because I'm under the assumption here that there's probably some legality. I just got home from my mom's house. She works at, insert name of local hospital. She told me Anthony Richardson was there around 7 o'clock this morning for surgery. He was with family and a member of Colt staff. Thought I would pass this along. Hopefully it's just minor. And when you see something like that, I'm like, well, I, you know, there are HIPAA laws and all kinds of things. I'm assuming that whoever worked at the hospital probably is not uh, supposed to be giving that information. Uh, and then I saw it and I thought, I, I have no idea whether or not Anthony Richardson would have had surgery. Uh, who knows what comes of that. And then, Kevin, the following comes out. Yeah, from the Colts uh, just a few minutes ago. Anthony Richardson had a procedure on his nose yesterday to correct his nasal septum. He'll miss practice today, and depending on how he feels, we expect him to return tomorrow. A nasal spectum on a quick Google search. Mucosa covered bony and cartilage structure located in the rough midline of the nose, which separates the right nostril from the left yeah, nostril. It's the it's, little bridge in the middle, right? It's kind of interesting. It's the median. It's the median of your nose. If you get like anywhere near a quarterback here, like uh, the Westfield PD shows up. So I, I don't recall him getting hit on Saturday night. Obviously, he's also wearing a helmet. Um, but yeah. Richardson going to miss practice today. We'll see if he's back tomorrow. Uh, obviously, his time away from the field doesn't sound like it will be too long. Jake, for a guy that needs all the reps he can get, though, uh, it is noteworthy. I, I, I think it definitely sure. is. I mentioned this to you leading into camp. I thought the practice tomorrow 
and the practice Thursday of this week would be our first kind of big signs of where is this quarterback battle heading. And I guess let's kind of recap so far what we've seen three practices in. First day, Gardner Minshew, all 15 starting reps. Last Friday, practice number two, Anthony Richardson gets all 15 starting reps. So it's a perfect split the first two days of practice. One day was Minshew with the starters. The next practice was Anthony Richardson. By the, by the way, that's not a mower, but that is, in fact, a dryer. So they've gone from the mow now to the dry? I don't think they mowed earlier. It's a dryer. Is that one of those it, things it, where, like, the guy just has to look busy? Like, what is he doing out there? Like, oh, he's doing work. He's, leave him alone. Well, he's, he's, he's drying the field. I'm I, I, 99% sure that, that they mowed this morning. I'm telling you. The, the, the guy that just came over here said, yeah, I heard you guys mention the mower this morning. That was a dryer. I could have sworn they were mowing. Anyways, um, Saturday night we saw the first kind of change-up in how they've operated. Richardson took the first six starting reps of practice, so it looked like it was going to be Richardson uh, getting back-to-back days with the starters, but then Minshew took the rest of the starting reps on Saturday night. Uh, so I think he ended the night with eight more reps than Richardson did with the starters. Obviously today, Minshew is going to be the starter in practice. We'll see about tomorrow. Um, again, these are the, these reps are more precious to Richardson than they are Minshew. I, mean, here, I know it's kind of stating the obvious. but Kevin, you're a Reds fan. You remember Adam Dunn? Sure. Adam Dunn was a big-time home run hitter. I mean, that dude would... He hit some balls in the Ohio River. Yeah, big-time home run hitter. And there was never a doubt about his home runs, how impressive they were. It was the every other at-bat that became the question mark. Not a great contact base hitter, but a great home run hitter. With Anthony Richardson, his reputation coming out of Florida was that he was the Adam Dunn of quarterbacks. The big time, across the shoulder, flip of the wrist, 60-yard pass was never in question. The arm talent, to use that term, has never been in question. What was questioned about him was whether or not he could do the daily at-bats, the seven-yard slant, the quick the quick across the middle, uh, the back shoulder throw for a third down and nine. And he has, so far, the plays where he has dazzled in camp have been those Adam Dunn home runs. My question for you, Kevin Bowen, is how does he look at the others? Yeah, I mean, consistency is clearly Minshew's game, and it's not Richardson's game just yet. I think... If I charted so far, I want to say Minshew is 77%, Richardson 63%. The question becomes, Jake, in the 63%, do the big plays outweigh the singles and doubles that Minshew is hitting? Right. And that, I think, is the unique aspect to Richardson's game. I've said this before about Richardson. The Colts do not need him, or they are not expecting him, should be probably the better way to put it. They're not expecting him to be Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers where you have to be like a 73% passer and you have to hit singles and doubles. You have to create 11, 12 play drives for your offense to truly be you know, at that uh, highly productive level. With Richardson, they understand that's not his forte. Certainly is not it now, but it's the flash of the big plays. You obviously want to get his consistency to a nice level, but they knew full well in drafting him. If you can offset that efficiency not being at that 70-ish percent level and you have enough big plays thrown in there, you don't need the methodical 12-play drives time in and time out 
there was a play in the indoor facility on Friday that, that pretty much summed it up. Now, it was a 7-on-7 seven seven rep, which you know you should throw in the caveat. Obviously, that means no pass rush, no offensive-defensive That's lines. what they play in Iowa, right? Don't they play 7-on-7 seven seven football in Iowa? Yeah, I feel like, yeah, like eight-man football, seven-man football. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, I do feel like. I think there are some high schools in the state of Indiana that are doing that. Really? Right? I, didn't, I thought Kyle Nedrup had a piece on that. Uh, anyways... Richardson, what Shane Steichen wants to see happen in those seven-on-seven drills is when things bog down, you scramble and keep the play alive just to try and replicate what you would do in a game setting or in an 11-on-11 setting, those sorts of things. So in that specific play, it wasn't anything that Richardson found in the first couple of seconds, which I, I, I do think is a fair criticism of him so far. It's that we have not seen a quick rhythm, decisive nature to him in those moments. But basically, once that play broke down, Richardson rolled to his left, which for a right-handed quarterback, I think you'd rather roll to your right. So you're kind of throwing with your body, not against your body. He rolled to his left, flicked that wrist with the right hand, and boom, 50 yards in the air to Alec Pearson's stride for a touchdown. That is the glimpse and the flash of what the Colts think and know is in there. And now the question becomes, how often is that in there? And then can you balance the consistency with it? So through the first three days, it's pretty much exactly what I thought we'd see. Minshew's the more decisive one, the quicker rhythm one, highly accurate, not as many big plays. Richardson has the flash. Um, I thought there were some moments on Saturday night. Shane Steichen really liked what he did in, in running the show in a little bit more of a third-down-centric night. But certainly when he misses, it's a fastball that airmails. And reining that in will be paramount. Now, other question is this. Which is harder for a quarterback to learn? Is it harder to get a quarterback to slow down or harder to get a quarterback to be able to make the big play? Does that make sense? Certainly. You'd rather have to rein the quarterback in. Yeah, creating those big plays off script. I mean, there's only so much physical traits Gardner Minshew has. By the way, um, have you ever been called a Minch? Uh, no, I don't. I know. I don't. When I first hear it, I'm like, "Gosh, are we allowed to say that word on air?" Yeah, it's it's actually. So I have twice in my life been called a mensch. I, I only mention it because Gardner Minshew, mensch in it. See, uh, twice I've been called a mensch in my life, and both times, it, two of the greatest compliments. Uh, 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 amongst in the Yiddish language or in the Jewish culture, a mensch is somebody that is considered to be of the highest character or highest regard. So Gardner Minshew must be a hell of a dude. I don't know if he's a mensch or not, but I think it's cool. Gardner Minshew seems opinion, like a good dude, that though. Sucked. That wasn't actually meant to be funny. I, um, I thought that was the Gardner- one of your play on words again. No. I, I wasn't was, 100% sure where he was going. I just mark. was curious if anybody knew what a mensch was. That's all. Because I, I think of the word mensch every time I hear Gardner Minshew. I enjoy listening to Gardner Minshew. Uh, ESPN wrote a great feature on him that was out just a couple weeks ago. I encourage people to read it. Um, you know, he gives off the Uncle Rico vibes when you see him. He strikes me as super down to earth. Just a chill dude. But also, don't mistake his look and his personality of a guy that is content with just holding the Microsoft Surface all year long. Well, he to me, what's interesting about him, he played for Mike Leach, right? Played for Mike Leach, bounced around to and several colleges. But yeah, he is to say that he is a fan of Mike Leach would be an understatement. Basically said Mike Leach saved his football career. Well, Mike Leach, Minshew kind of reminds me of him because the few times, I have not been around Gardner Minshew 
a lot, but but he seems to be kind of an easygoing and like a funny kind of guy. You know, I mean, a good sense of humor. Um, without being, without trying to be that, you know. The, the, People that are are fun and kind of quirky, I have always said, when you go out of your way to be unique, you are, in fact, ordinary. Yeah, he's a natural. And he is a naturally, Mm -hmm. like, uh, unique guy, which is exactly what Mike Leach was, right? Um, Just naturally comes off that way. But I think that there's a level of importance to that because it adds a levity within a locker room. I said this when he was signed, Jake, and it was probably a little premature for me to say that, but I think in talking with people and, and again, the little, little I've gotten to know Minch over the last few months, I, I, I think I've, it's kind of confirmed what I thought. I felt like he was perfectly wired for the situation the Colts were asking him to be. Correct. You know, he, I mean, he, he certainly understands the role coming in, right? 1,000%. But, again, also is if you need him to go out there, he is a crazy competitor that certainly wants to continue his NFL career. And he's really carved out a nice career for a six-round pick to have done what he's done here through the first four years. Pretty good for Menchu. For those that missed it, from the Colts just about 20 minutes ago, no Anthony Richardson at practice today. Had a procedure on his nose yesterday. That would be the nasal septum that needed correction. He'll miss practice today. And depending on how he feels, the Colts expect him to be back for practice tomorrow. We just kind of talked about this the last few minutes, but any missed time for Anthony Richardson in camp, even if it's just one day, I do think is a hindrance on how much he could potentially be ready for week one. Not the end of the world by any means, but for the first day in full pads, you would like to see Richardson out here. And so it'll be the Gardner Minshew Show today at Colts Camp. Stephen Holder joins us in 15 minutes here, live from Westfield. Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. All right, Jake, if you went to bed last night at, let's say, uh, I don't know, 10.15 p.m. and are just now waking up and getting into your car, these are the news items you have missed in relation to the Colts, some bigger than others. Uh, Jonathan Taylor last night took to Twitter to dispute the notion that he had a back injury that he shared with the Colts at the start of training camp. That would have been report day on Tuesday. Uh, You had several Colts media members, I assume information leaked from the team, that said that Taylor reported of back pain at report day on Tuesday. Taylor took to Twitter last night to debunk that thought. I that's X. Uh, yeah, now X, I know. I'm still going to call it Twitter. Are you good at that? Yeah, that's fine. So that was around, whatever, 10, 20-ish last night. Then this morning, Anthony Richardson with a surgery yesterday on the nasal septum. Uh, you said the median of your nose? It's the, the yeah, it's the bridge. Divides it's the, the nostrils? Correct. Uh, uh, Stevie Nicks known for that. I, I don't believe this is the same issue, don't get me wrong, but that was a famous Stevie Nicks injury. So Richardson will miss practice today, and depending on how he feels, the Colts expect him to be back tomorrow. Again, the first day of full pads. And then probably on the meter that doesn't resonate too much with those first two news items, but uh, something of note for our IU football fans out there, uh, Bill Mallory's grandson off the pup list, Will Mallory, the fifth-round pick out of Miami. We have not seen him participate in a practice since rookie minicamp. Uh, he is now eligible to practice. Is that even with two a on the pup list? Foot injury. So yes, Tyquan Lewis and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and Taylor again, you know, the, the whole Taylor the Should we explain the pup? Yeah, we should probably explain that. Yeah, the physically unable to perform list. So that means that during the course of physical, something is determined. The player does get paid during it, right? That means you suffered your injury doing football or a football activity, whereas non-football injury is like Naheem Hines getting hurt via jet ski. Or Jonathan Taylor, if this is true, then Jonathan Taylor reported to camp according 
okay, allegedly, Jonathan Taylor reported to camp, underwent his pre-camp physical, in the physical told the Colts that he was having back pain because of workouts that he was doing in Arizona when there are some, there's some belief that he was asked to work out here, but he instead went to Arizona. Um, a lot of people, one of the common thoughts is you kind of take a risk if you go – and I totally understand why guys go away from the, the team and the facility to do their workouts. Yeah, everybody pretty much does. Yeah, because you want to get away. I mean, I get it, right? You just – you want to do your own thing. And, you know, th- this is still work for these guys. I realize it's a game, but it's still work. So you go to an area that you trust, your college program or a, a physical trainer that you know, whatever it might I thought be. thought Chapel said Arizona. For but Arizona, is where, that, that is correct where he was. Um, you know, if – he had a workout injury. If it happened at the Colts facility, he probably stays on PUP instead of the non-football injury list. The difference with the non-football injury list is that can dock you pay. And are the Colts playing chess here? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. It certainly seems like that could be the case. The We've spent all morning talking about it, granted, but the situation with Jonathan Taylor, I think you mentioned earlier, Kevin, and it's a good one. Uh, you know, it, it you run the risk now of this becoming toxic. And of it being a distraction, and quite frankly, Jonathan Taylor's job in this camp was to, if anything, maybe deflect attention away from Anthony Richardson, but not in this, not in this fashion. I mean, not in this fashion. Yeah, I'm thinking back to the spring when Richardson was asked about playing with Taylor and how his eyes absolutely lit up at that thought, and. I think the thing you thought was no matter where Richardson is at as a thrower, him and Taylor as a combination would walk in here, and that'd be a pretty dynamic running duo yeah. in the NFL. I mean, we're talking 2023, and now all of a sudden, it's Anthony Richardson's first welcome to the NFL moment. And how much of this is the Colts' own doing? That I think is a, that's a topic I think you have to discuss. I, I don't think the NFL is anywhere near the players' league like the NBA. But Jake, can you imagine if this was the NBA? And that was Tyrese Halliburton seeing the organization and a player that's very important in the organization react in that manner. That would have Tyrese Halliburton doing what? One foot out the door. Exactly. And again, I know it's so early in Richardson's career, and I'm not saying it is anywhere near the exact same situation, but I do think from a first impression standpoint, this isn't the best thing. Uh, the situation here is not necessarily comfortable when it comes to the Colts and Jonathan Taylor. The weather is. It is a gorgeous start to the week here. Monday, we are in Grand Park for the Colts camp as Stephen Holder, of course, with ESPN.com. Set to join us next. It's Kevin and Query here, 93.5, The Fan. You are listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You just want to be treated fairly. Um, and not even treated fairly. You just want to be, you know, appreciated for what you bring to the team. It's never about yourself. It's about the team. It was a good conversation. And, and uh, you know, I'm hopeful as we go forward. Looking forward to a great season. Hoping Jonathan's a big part of that. Star running back Jonathan Taylor requested a trade. I mean, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. I mean, you know, we know that. The national football rolls on. It doesn't matter, you know, who who comes and who goes. <laughs> well, okay. I, I do have to laugh at the good conversation part. What, 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 what? Would Jonathan Taylor agree with that, that it was a good a good conversation? Uh, you know, all good conversations end with, yeah, and let's face it, if we're both dead, no one cares. <laughs> God. 
Fuck. <laughs> the ultimate equalizer, right? Uh, Jim Irsay, the one and only. That was Saturday night, about 50 yards from us right here. Stephen Holder was on bus watch, and now he is with us right now. Jonathan Taylor spent an hour on Jim Irsay's bus, and then since then, just a litany of news items that we can get to. I guess just to, before we talk to Stephen, before we get to the Jonathan Taylor stuff, for those coming out to Colts camp today, you're going to see Gardner Minshew exclusively with the starters. Anthony Richardson with a procedure yesterday on his nose. That was to correct uh, his nasal septum. The Colts expect Richardson to be back tomorrow, depending on how the quarterback feels, but this is going to be a hefty Gardner Minshew day. KB, do I have a nasal septum? I I, I don't. Yes. Okay. I, I'm like trying no, to feel it right here. Jake, it's Jake the, said it's the, the median that divides okay. your nostrils. Yeah, it's the it's the ah. it's the median. Yeah. I would exactly. think that would impact your sleeping a little bit. Or well, your breathing a little. Maybe that's why he got it done. So, hey. so Anthony Richardson the other day, KB. I don't know if you you noticed this, but he had what looked like a little stitch on his nose. Yeah. Now you say I that. Noticed okay. It. I noticed it. I honestly, this sounds ridiculous. I, I thought there was like a fly on his nose or something from a distance, and I got closer. It was like, no, there's a little like black stitch there or something. So well, I'm kind of curious. Like he doesn't get hit out here. Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea. Is have it no more idea. of a breathing? I, I don't know. Maybe it is. More now of I'm a curious. Breathing thing. <laughs> uh, add that to the uh, Colts items that the soap opera continues here. Steven, I guess let's just go in reverse order. What do you make of the latest? And the latest is this, a back and forth, pun intended, I guess, with a back issue that developed in Arizona working out. The Colts say he could go on the non-football injury list. Jonathan Taylor heavily debunks this notion. What do you know? Yeah, so that is what was told to me. Uh, Mike Chappell clearly got the same information. And it was that he reported to camp. Clearly, the ankle was a pre-existing issue they knew about, and everyone's on the same page there. Maybe needed a little more time, but no one was truly worried about the ankle. So the back issue, he he reportedly, or as was told to me, uh, raised the back issue and said, hey, I'm having these, these pains. Uh, they did, uh, they dug into it, MRIs, etc. cetera. Uh, there did not, appear to be something more recent in the team's estimation uh, they linked it to something that happened prior to uh, well I shouldn't say prior but something that happened outside of the bounds of of the Colts or him playing football for the Colts because again Taylor did not participate in the spring offseason correct. program that is correct right nor did anyone that I'm aware of uh, have any history of conversation with him about a back issue so so that's where this gets dicey i mean i know jonathan is, de- is denying it and that's it's fine it says right i hope to hear from him at some point so we can clear this up but the the origin of this may may end up being an issue right i mean because how do you prove that it was or wasn't well and that also and determines so whether or not he is paid or not paid absolutely. while he is missing time absolutely so is there a chance Stephen, that this is the colts playing chess there's always a chance. You know, hey, fine. We'll just move you from pup to non-football injury, and there you go. There's always a chance. I, I think it's certainly uh, – when you when you bring up the words NFI list, I mean, you know, that's pretty explosive, I think, just because of the, the potential implications. Well, and that's – Naeem Hines is going through the same thing in yes. Buffalo, for example, right? Yes. But, but that one's pretty clear-cut, right? I mean, we know in that particular instance, we know – that that is definitely an injury that did not happen within the confines of him playing in the NFL. That this 
is much more murky. I have no idea. Now, all of this, Stephen, with Jonathan Taylor and the situation, uh, I'm going to ask you what I mentioned earlier, and I want you to either debunk this or say that, that you know, tell me if, if it's too critical a comment. Every sports franchise known to man talks about their character. That's the most important thing. We have great culture. We have great character. The, the first thing we look at when we draft players is character. I don't think Jonathan Taylor's a bad guy at all. I think he's getting bad advice. But is there an is there an unusual disparity between the amount of conversation the Colts offer about culture and the actual level of drama seemingly that surrounds this franchise? Well, I think it's it's a fair question. I, I think that there I mean, Jim Mercer would argue that as he ha- just did the other night, you know, no one has treated their players better than the Colts. And he takes great pride in that. He's actually right when he says... I, I do think... You talk to former players, they yeah, love Jim Mercer. He's actually right. I mean, there are so many players on the Colts payroll, <laughs> officially and unofficially. Like, he's right about that. You know what I mean? And he, he even said, you know, there's there's stuff that goes uh, unsaid and unnoticed that we do. And I don't, I don't think he was trying to brag. I think he was trying to defend his character and the, the character of the team in this particular instance. So I think it goes to your question, right? I mean... That he can make a very strong defense that, hey, if there's anything we've got, it's, it's character because of the way we conduct ourselves with our people. This is a situation where, you know, he does not see this as uh, this, this contract standoff. He does not see this as a referendum on character. He sees this as a referendum on, not, not a referendum at all, actually. He sees this as just, we're doing what's good business. I think there's an argument, certainly, to be made for that. So, it depends on your viewpoint of it, you know. I think a lot of times these things happen and they don't escalate, so then they don't become an issue of is there a lack of character or not, you know. So I think that's that's kind of the question here, you know. How do you view it and, and what prism do you look through it? Look this at? seed that is now growing with Jonathan Taylor, was it planted before his agent change in his mind? About the contract extension? Correct. Impossible the discontent. Right, right. Impossible to know, but I will tell you that from all indications, uh, the agent change was made with the pursuit of a contract extension in mind. You know, because I remember, I remember hearing about it, and I think it was, if I recall, uh, maybe around late May or June, I think, when the, when the change happened. And and once that once I heard that it had happened, I was told that he had he had changed agents. I didn't know who he had changed to, but I was told that he had changed agents. I, I got that word from another agent, and then immediately, before even investigating it, I immediately thought, okay, there's some business coming here. So. And refresh my memory. My apologies for asking. Stephen Holder's our guest here. We're at Grand Park at Colts Camp. Um, when Shaq Leonard signed his extension, was there? Was he? What was his health status? He had missed the first ten days of camp. Yeah, he was on the PUP list at that time. Okay. Yeah. So if same agent, right? Correct. So if you're Jonathan Taylor, don't you look at it and say you can't come to me and say health is a question because my my representative. I think that's his knows, biggest frustration. Right. It, my it, representative knows full well past precedent. That, correct. Listen, I I have pointed this out time and again uh, in stories and with you guys and and elsewhere. There is an inconsistency there. I mean, if you want to just look at it from you know apples to apples, right? You, it is a very fair position for Jonathan Taylor to say, "Look, Quentin Nelson had back issues. 
and you gave him a gazillion dollars. You could say Shaq Leonard had ankle surgery, and you gave him a gazillion dollars. I, Steven, I said that it's like the old Chris Rock line. When it comes to Jonathan Taylor, for me, it's the old Chris Rock line. I'm not saying I agree with how you're doing this, but I do understand. Right? Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. So, so I think, listen, everybody involved here has a very reasonable reason to feel the way that they feel. I mean, everyone involved can make a very reasonable defense of their position. Correct. Everyone involved. And so that's what makes this so hard. Because there's no one you can point to and say, all right, you are definitely wrong or you're definitely wrong. Because But they're both wrong true. for being children publicly. The handling of it is a different, it's a different yeah. matter. That's a different matter. But in terms of just their, their positions and where they stand, oh, I get it on both sides, which is, I think, one of the, the escalating factors here because it, be, it makes you so frustrated because both sides feel like, well, damn it, we're right. But, yeah, you are. <laughs> but no one's wrong. I want to offer a thought on why the inconsistency might have arisen. But let's go over the timetable as best you know because I think you, you've been all over the story. The Jonathan Taylor public trade request that hit the media or hit hit the public, I guess, if you will, came Saturday night. You are under the impression, though, that his trade request to Chris Ballard came last Tuesday at, at report day after we talked to, to Ballard and the media? The time of day I can't speak to, Okay, but I will tell you there was a conversation between Jonathan Taylor's camp and Chris Ballard. Whether that conversation rose to the level of Jim Irsay, I can't speak to. Saturday was the in-person meeting with Irsay, though, for Taylor. That is correct. But I was told very directly there was a conversation between Taylor's camp and uh, and Chris Ballard Tuesday, I believe Tuesday, certainly early in the week, about... uh, and in that conversation, put it this way, in that conversation, it was made known to Chris Ballard that that he wanted to be traded. The, the trade request was made. And then I, I can go further by saying Chris Ballard's response was, all right, let me take a step back and let's let's talk this out internally and then we'll be in touch. Which Jim Mercer did not do. I don't know what happened at that point. I can't speak to what I, I, I guess what I'm right. saying is I'm speaking to Saturday night when the Ian Rappaport tweet comes out and oh, then so, Ursay, yeah. what, a half hour later yeah. saying, we're not trading him, not yeah. now, not in October. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So it, that, that to me, now, now whether, that is at, whether that's the point at which Jim Ursay finally got involved or whether he was involved earlier, I, I don't know. There's, it's possible maybe he wasn't involved in that conversation until that point, you know. but I can't speak to that. Okay, point. trying to speak to the inconsistencies here, because I, I said it earlier in the show, Stephen, walking away from Ursa on Saturday night, I thought to myself, boy, in a way, he is discrediting Chris Ballard's blueprint. Like, you drafted Taylor in the second round. You remember the 2020 draft, Stephen. It was the COVID draft. Yeah. Remember Ursay on Zoom encouraging Ballard to trade up? Yeah. They actually traded up a few spots to, to take Taylor. And now here you are three years later, and you're not willing to reinvest in a guy that, again, has exceeded that, that rookie contract. So now my brain gets spinning. Why? Is it Shane Steichen's presence? Because think back to Ballard's comments last Tuesday with us. If there was a common thing he said when offering hesitancy about Taylor, he mentioned Taylor's a great player. He mentioned that I play, I pay, or I you know extend great players no matter the position that they 
play. But he also mentioned on more than one occasion, we have a new coaching staff, and they need to evaluate how much, if any, is this Shane Steichen now entering the fray, challenging the blueprint a little bit and saying, guys, look at just what happened in Philly. Yeah, we had Miles Sanders. It was pretty much running back by committee, though. We had a running quarterback, and now Miles Sanders is in Carolina. Well, here's what we can say for sure, and this is true of every organization. When you have a new coach, philosophies change. Or at least they get adjusted. Challenged. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's okay, right? I mean, a new coach should come in and say, hey, why do we do what we do? Why did you guys do that? Why did you pay this guy? Why did you not pay this guy? I mean, that's fine. I, I mean, he's a head coach. <laughs> he's half of, or a third, I guess, of the, the holy trinity, if you will, mm-hmm. right? So I get that. I would say to your question, you know, is, is that what's happening here? Is this a Shane Steichen influence? All I can tell you is that this is very clearly a transitional year, and they, they see it as a transitional year. Number one, we know what the biggest issue is this year is they got to find out if they got a quarterback, right? And so everything else flows from that, certainly. And then, as you just said, I think there's some philosophical things that might be a product of Shane Steichen's uh, presence, which might be, hey, you know what? This is how we prefer to do things. I mean, look, you can go back to, to Frank Reich, who then begat, you know, Nick Sirianni, who begat Shane Steichen. And what do they all have in common when it comes to the running game? I think it's, it's as much a product of scheme as it is the runner himself. I mean, Frank Reich, who I think is the biggest defender of Jonathan Taylor you'll ever find, he would tell you, or he could tell you about 2000, what, 19, right? So Marlon Mack gets hurt. <laughs> and what do they do? They just roll two more guys in there and run for 200 yards down in Houston, right? So there's a lot of truth to that. And that's that's also true elsewhere in the NFL, which is part of the reason the running backs are where they are. So this is it's pretty deep. And I think you're seeing some of that in action here. Steven, I think what we're also seeing is the byproduct of whether it was out of circumstance or just strategy, the byproduct of trying to go like patchwork quarterback every two years for a six-year window or a five-year window instead of saying, we just got to get our guy right now. And then when they made that decision, they disastrously decided Carson Wentz was the one they were going to do. So that Chris Ballard's blueprint, to me, has been ripped up like twice now. He's had to start over. Like he's had to go back to do not collect two hundred dollars. Go back to you know go back to start twice now, and that the timeline for Jonathan Taylor just didn't work out. In other words, having Jonathan Taylor under contract in his prime is not necessarily with the level of importance to the Colts because his prime is going to be probably premature for when your franchise quarterback's ready to totally be let go. That, there's some truth to that, I really think. I mean, if if they if they knew what they had, if they had drafted Anthony Richardson, say, two years ago. Right. Or, I, or if Carson Wentz was a return to Philly form and was healthy yeah, and, and not a weirdo and was still here, right? Yeah, if they, if they were rolling, if, they, if the team was in a different position right now, I do think that, yes, you would, number one, you wouldn't really be interested in the disruption. Okay, and you would try to find a, a solution to this thing. You'd be more, you'd be more motivated, right, to find a solution to this thing. Uh, right now, they're in a situation where you know they're like, all right, I think there's a calculation here from the top down. Like, we're not going to win a lot of games this year. I, I, I'm not telling you that they're they've got it up on a poster in the locker room, but it's very evident they they kind of know that. And there's a 
it's it's kind of been unsaid, but also also obvious. <laughs> oh, I think it's very clear it. that, that, that the, they believe that. You know how every year they do those videos at the end of the year, and they're like themed, like the NFL does. When I think yeah. NFL film, you know, the, the, and it's there's some sort of theme, right? This year's theme for the Colts, without question, is um, progress before like results. Yeah, if that makes sense, yeah, you know what I mean. Sure. Like it's it's a it literally is about. I said earlier, one one A, two two B, three three C. All all of those priorities are all about one guy. Yeah, and it's not Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, this this year, you know what they hope this year is. I, so Tony Dungy will tell you. So you know, going back to my my Tampa ties here, Tony Dungy will tell you in Tampa when he's I think it was nineteen ninety seven, I believe, when they were awful to start that season. I forget what their record was to open. And then they won like, <clears throat> excuse me, they won like like four of six to close it out, and like all of a sudden, like, oh man, this this Derek Brooks guy, he might be a player. And then you know, who, who's this? Who's this Rondé Barber guy? You know, and so it started to come together. And so that's what I think the Colts hope this year ends up being. They they were they still went six and ten that year. That Tampa Bay team, they were six and ten. They were not a factor in the playoff race. No one cared. They still had an early draft pick, right? But by the next, by the start of the next year, you were like, "All right, that's a team to keep an eye on," and they were right. And then they went on a, a run for like five years. So that's what I think this year is. But 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 you, number one, you don't know that. You can't predict that. <laughs> and number two, you can't pretend. You, you can't operate like under the assumption that's going to happen, and then just you know and do your personnel transactions accordingly, right? So I don't know. I'm getting a little off the subject, maybe, but I, I do think what you're saying has some merit. Yes. Live here at Colts Camp again. Full padded practice coming at 10 a.m. Stephen Holder from ESPN is with us. Last year, Christian McCaffrey at the trade deadline goes for a second, a third, a fourth round pick. I think it was also a future fifth. Difference being, McCaffrey was, I believe, under contract for three more years when that trade occurred between Carolina and San Francisco, and uh, he also plays on third down and has a huge role as kind of that hybrid wideout. Realistic trade package mm. for Jonathan Taylor slash do you think there are teams that would make a realistic trade offer and throw multi-year money at him? Well, I don't think you get the McCaffrey package for, for sure. I guess how much do you cut off yeah, yeah, the McCaffrey yeah. package? Right. Was that a, is that a two, three, and four? Two, three, four, and a future five. Okay. That's a lot. Uh, for that position now, McCaffrey's a really unique player. I don't. It's not even about he's better than Jonathan Taylor. Sure, he's different than right. Jonathan Taylor. I, I he's more valuable. I, I think contracts right. would prove that him and Alvin Kamara financially make a lot more than Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. That's correct, particularly with a, a coach like Kyle Shanahan. You know, I think that the fit there was just, I mean, absolutely amazing. Of course, uh, now the negative there is there's also con- injury concern with Chris McCaffrey, and there has been for for several sure. years. So. So that's something the 49ers apparently didn't take into account, but be that as it may, I think hell if they got a if they got a second, they should run to the phone. Yeah. I don't think like, there's any way, right? Run, I don't think. I don't Naheem think Hines that. went for what a fifth yeah. and Zach and Moss. So one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Stephen, here's what I was saying: if you trade Jonathan Taylor, you are likely trading a guy that is a core, you know, your best offensive weapon. And you're trading him for somebody in terms of a draft pick that probably is going to be a special teams slash occasional spot starter. Right. An EJ speed level. He's a nice player, don't get me wrong. But in my opinion, I mean, I said fifth or sixth. Part of that is because any team that is interested in the running back position 
before you decide to give up assets to get Jonathan Taylor, there are two guys that have been productive NFL running backs that are still relatively young that are sitting there right now looking for a team to sign them flat out. You don't have to give up anything to get Dalvin Cook. So why would you trade for Jonathan Taylor? No, I mean, it's like it's like if, if half the house is on your blocker for sale, you might not want to put your house up for sale. Right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's just where it is. And and I, I read something that was um, Jeff Darlington from, from my colleague at ESPN pointed out uh, really astutely. The 2024 running back class. Oh, it's rich. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, a lot okay. of guys in there. You're, you know, yeah, Eckler, Henry, right. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's yeah. probably going to sign a one. Tony Pollard. Throw yeah. him in there, right? So, uh, yeah, it's it. The odds are not good. In fact, forget about second round pick. They're not getting a second round pick. Uh, I think when you think about the situation, now they might if he were if he were under. Uh, different circumstances, like if he, if Jonathan Taylor were under contract in a you know a moderate size contract, that would be different. But here, which beginning as a player who's in the final year of his deal, so you're inheriting that problem if you sign him, and if you give him a new deal, then can you satisfy his contract demands? You know, can you come to terms with him? That might be tough. You know, we, we certainly know he wants wants a healthy salary. Will he be here, Jonathan Taylor? Will he be here today? Huh. I hadn't thought about that. That's a good question. Uh, I, I think probably yes, because especially if things are getting... Is it a $50,000 fine if he's not here? Uh, potentially, yeah. yeah. If, if per day. Show up, but yeah. I mean, That's w- w- at what point do the Colts say... Go home? Yeah. Well, that's happened. That's happened before. Uh, maybe not here, but, but that could happen. But I, but I think that's probably unlikely, is I think Jonathan understands, all right, the, the non-football injury idea, that notion being out there. He didn't want that. That right? ratchets it up, right? So if you're him, I, I'd fall in line and say, I, I'm here. You can't you can't say anything. I'm here. I would show up. I'd be here. Don't give him a reason, right? That's what I would do. Because, look, ultimately, I love Jonathan Taylor. I hope he gets every dollar that he, that he wants, you know, just as a guy, right? I mean, just, I hope everybody gets what they want out of every situation, right? But Ultimately, this is not in his favor. The thing, things here are not in his favor. Uh, and someone asked me, they asked me on ESPN Radio last night, what do you think ultimately happens here? And my answer was, I think he plays for the Colts this year and does what he has to do and makes So you think he dollars. still plays for the Colts? Yeah, because I just don't see what other outcome is like. Yeah, he has no leverage of where to go. And, and that's, it's not even about me making... But are the Colts judgment. in a position that they need to get return on him? And they can't afford Fair. to say, yeah, he's going to play this year, and then I guess they could throw the franchise tag, tag on him. him. I'm but telling you, I think they'll tag him. Is a disgruntled running well, they back? they plan to tag him. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. They I mean, plan to so, tag so him. I just the, think you're going to have a Steven, really angry player. If, if you're, you're the Indianapolis Colts, you look at Jonathan Taylor as a guy that you have under contract for two more years. Yeah, if he, as so long as you're willing to deal with him being very unhappy. No, I, I get the that. problem. But I, yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, and again, I, I mentioned earlier, Jim Mersey is a guy, more than probably any owner in the league, that knows the ins and outs and, and has an immediate – I will say, when it comes to the Colts, Jim Mersey is like the Donald Davidson of the Colts. I mean, he, you mention anything, and he's like, well, you know, I mean, we I remember we had back in 82, you know, Ron Solt. And I'm like, dude, nobody here remembers Ron Solt. You know, he's, he's great. You know, and, and he will remember that the last time that – for me personally, Stephen – and I know that I'm going in the way back. And I know that for 90% of our listeners, and I apologize for it, this doesn't resonate. But I think it does resonate with Jim Irsay. This has Eric Dickerson written all over it. Yeah. And Eric Dickerson ended up getting sent home. 
getting suspended for it, 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 it absolutely it was they had a young quarterback in Jeff George they were trying to get stability underneath Jeff George Jeff George was working out with you know had all new receivers and everything else and the one reliable thing they had was Eric Dickerson and Eric Dickerson didn't like the way he was handled and so Eric Dickerson started sulking Rick Venturi suspended him sent him home the Colts go one and 15 it was a total disaster and Jeff George never got his footing underneath him as an Indianapolis Colt largely due to the fact that there was complete turmoil with the, the Eric Dickerson situation there is I realize that that I'm like one of seven people in Marion County that remembers it. <laughs> Yeah. But I guarantee you that one of those seven is Jim Irsay. Guarantee it. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, listen, we were joking on the sideline here the other day. Like, how many Baltimore Colts stories do you think got told on that bus the other day? You know, I mean, I remember, like, back when <laughs> Mackey was running, yeah, you Taylor know. should have gone straight to West Fork Whiskey across the street. <laughs> exactly. Seriously. As soon well, as you walk out of that bus. At least gone there first before getting on. Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, so, no, I think you're right. You know, Joe Washington is a good player for us. <laughs> exactly. So, yes, that is true. He he has an unbelievable memory. And and the details usually are, are pretty spot on, too, in these stories. I mean, you know, some of them are his version, <laughs> certainly. But but he does he does have a memory of these things. And they do, they absolutely do influence Jim Irsay. Correct. The, Jim, how Jim Mercy operates. There's no doubt about that. There is no question about it. Last one for me, and appreciate your time because I know we've kept you pretty long, and it's shockingly a There's very nothing to talk about. newsy Monday morning here, not just Jonathan Taylor related. Taylor's agent does not strike me as the brightest ball based off of social media actions, but that's, I guess, neither here nor there. I find it hard to believe Taylor and his camp would take this aggressive of a stance if they didn't think getting a multi-year deal was possible in the neighborhood they would like. As best you know, do you think his camp believes that there is value elsewhere in one of these other 31 teams that's not being, I guess, adhered to, if you will, here? It was suggested to me that that, that they believe there's some appetite out there to pay him. I don't know anything more than that. Because yeah, for a trade, you need trade. I mean, plus 16 appetite, million? You know. The number I saw was 16 million. Come on. Right. Look, that's what I'm saying. Like, I can't speak to You think to that's that. true? You think 16 million is true? Uh, <laughs> that's put him $4 million above Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, right. all those. I mean, that, that's first going for like resetting guys. the market. That, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to reset the market. Well, I think that's, that's or at least comparable to McCaffrey, who I think is top of market. Yeah. So. I mean, look, that's what agents do. They they try to reset the market with every with every deal that they do, uh, and and he has done one of those types of deals here with Shaq Leonard. So I, I respect it if that's what they're talking about, but I, I can't speak to that specifically. Uh, all I can say is that, like I said, there 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 seems to be some idea that they have. Uh, they are under the impression that there's some market out there for someone to pay him. The problem with that, though, here, here's the thing: if you are, if you are an interested team, you now would have to pay twice. You have to give them the draft compensation, right. and right. you also have to pay Jonathan Taylor if you're if you're going to swing a deal like that. And that that might be too rich for the position and for the time of year. Dumb question. Which is different than the McCaffrey thing because McCaffrey yes. was already under contract. You Correct. absorbed it, of course, yes. but you didn't have to renegotiate and reset the market. Dumb question, Stephen. Could this in any way, shape, or form? bleed over into creating a discontent with Shaq Leonard just based on the proximity to the representation? Uh, fair question. I, I don't know. I, I actually think Shaq's got his own issues. I was going to say, I don't think Shaq's in a yeah. position to be not, too not, not that you, Not that he would like just 
dismiss it necessarily. I mean, Shaq is like when he's down for you, he's down for you, right? Like he loves his guys. But but I, he's he's got to dial into his own situation right now, and things are trending in a very positive direction. I think right. for the first time there. So hopefully he just focuses on that. Now that being said, we've reached distraction stage here. This is a distraction, and and teammates have noticed. Stephen Holder, ESPN. I'm sure the hits yeah, will be. I remember a plenty we had this for with you. George Wansley, you know, national standpoint. <laughs> uh, go get some work done before practice starts because I, I have feeling nothing you're gonna to be. do. I, I haven't worked in like six days. Nasal septum. About. Join the club, Anthony Richardson. Uh, we're gonna have a pop quiz coming up here. Thank you, Stephen. Three one seven two three nine ten seventy. Again, a four pack of tickets to the state fair. We we're out there on Friday for that, so we'll do that here. Coming up in a few minutes. Let's. Lead off the morning check down with the other big Colts news item of this Monday morning. The morning All right, it was about an hour ago. It was announced by the Colts that yesterday Anthony Richardson, a surgery on his nasal septum, basically the bone that divides the right and the left by the way, nostril. Isn't that redundant? Do you have a septum anywhere else in your body besides your nasal cavity? Yeah, I would have to take another class on Maybe the you do, to, uh, to know that one. Uh, but he will not practice today, so that means Gardner Minshew is going to get all the first-team reps here in this full pad of the first full pad of practice. The Colts said they expect Richardson back tomorrow as long as he is feeling well. Jake, you know, is it the end of the world? No. But are reps very precious for Anthony Richardson and trying to earn playing time uh, early in this rookie season? Without question. So I think this is a pretty newsy item. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree that, look, any day – when you have a young quarterback like that, the last thing you want is – and the other thing that's curious is, you, you, again, it's minor. But why was it not taken care of before now? Did something happen over the course of practice? Which is entirely possible. Did, did something happen over the course of practice? Who knows? Did Josh Downs hit him with his remote? Yeah. Is there roommates here at training camp? Are there roommates? They are. Okay. There are, ten, the, there are 10 septums in the body. Most really? commonly talked about septum is in the nasal. Other examples can be found in the areas such as the heart and eyelids. Well, you would think I'd know one of those. Uh, Mark, what do we do in this program? We educate and entertain. Thank you very much. We're, we're doing it. We at least did one of those today. Yeah, amen yeah. to that. Uh, again, Colts practice coming up full pads at 10 o'clock. Uh, did somebody just yell educate and entertain? <laughs> Rocking the visor, you know what? The got, why do they have a, Why do they have us turning our back to the to the people that are listening? Oh, got a little rich. Is that signed by Richardson? Look yeah, at that you That's young boy. Closest, sign. Unfortunately, the closest we're going to get to seeing a Richardson jersey today. But uh, by the cool. way, uh, Matt, listener, wanted to shout out Colton. He's starting pre-K today. A lot of kids going back to school here in late July. Which is totally. It is by the way, it's kids' day today after the Saturday or the Friday practice, I should say, was ha- had to be moved indoors due to Mother Nature. It is kids' day here at Colton. Camp, uh, Jake. You want to run down some Major League Baseball? Uh, yesterday, down, the Cincinnati the Red Reds. Legs. There you go. Thank you very much, uh, Mark. The Reds now first place National League Central because they beat the Dodgers yesterday nine nothing. It was the Atlanta Braves knocking off the Brewers, and that catapults the Reds into first place in the Central. Uh, elsewhere, Cubs lost three nothing to the Cardinals yesterday, and the New York Yankees nine three losers to cute fella and the Baltimore Orioles who continue to surge in the American League. Mark, how are you feeling about this series? 
I uh, feel pretty good. I'm glad we got the loss out of the way yesterday with the Cardinals. So you lost we the eight-game losing streak. Starting second but baseman, Mark Dykton. That's right. Well, no, I'll start at third. We could use a third baseman at the moment before the trade deadline. But I'd say a 2-2 two, a two, two split or series win. I'll take that. Uh, eight games remaining between the Reds and the Cubs. The Cubs are, is it four back, Mark? Is that right right now? I think it's down to th- three and a half. Yeah, three and a half maybe. Um, and they start a four-game series from Wrigley beginning tonight. We putting anything on this, Kev, or are you already no, taking I, a loss with Joel Erickson? You don't. Yeah, really Joel's going to join us tomorrow. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rock the Brewer shirt. I already gave him a six-pack of beer. I, I'm a little nervous about the four-game set, though. I mean, you know, what, what just happens if it's two-two? To your point. Well, then that's a push. Nobody wins. How about this? There's eight games to go the rest of the year, Mark. Um, let's go with uh, a nice six-pack of beer on who. Who wins those eight games? All right, let's do it. Right, let's do it. The winner of the series. By, by the way, one of my favorite games to play at any Colts event is most random player jersey spotted. I just saw a Bobby O'Karake jersey walk really? past. Yeah. There, there used to be a guy at the games that would wear a Matt Booza, which is cool. Giants for Bobby O'Karake, right? I think that's right, yeah. Uh, Fever lost yesterday for like the 15th time in the last 16. Uh, USA, women's national team, they will play tonight their final group stage. When we say tonight, we really mean tomorrow morning. It is a 3 a.m. kick against. Portugal, a win or a tie, and they will advance through their group to the knockout I'd stage. I'd like to go to Portugal. Yeah, I've heard good things. I wouldn't mind going to Australia or New Zealand either. Yeah, Although I don't think I'd be cool. able to, I, I wouldn't be sane on that flight. <sighs> that flight would be a struggle for me. 14 hours, 15 hours? Yeah, I'd need all the drugs in the world. <laughs> Get me through that. <laughs> okay. Uh, pop quiz up next. 317-239-1070. We're giving away four pack of tickets to the State Fair. Give us a call right now for the pop quiz. Time for the pop quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. All right, shout out to Landon and son Layman. They do a father-son camping trip each year. They're in from Toledo. It's another great crowd here at Colts Camp on this Monday morning. Again, full pads today. The first full padded practice of camp beginning at 10 a.m. We will be back out here Tuesday and Thursday for those morning sessions. Saturday night and Sunday afternoon. So this is by far the busiest week of Colts training camp. And we shall see who all is here and who's not, right? We know that Anthony Richardson not here today. Jonathan Taylor, we will... Yeah, and I think that's a very relevant question that you asked, Stephen. You know, Taylor's presence from a fine standpoint where we're at. I mean, boy, you got to admit, this is a pretty good Netflix series from drama, right? Oh, it's great. (laughs) What? You know? Don't know if Chris Bauer would necessarily agree with that. So we got a pop quiz, 317-239-1070. Jake at number one through eight. Uh, I will go with... Oh, what the hell? We'll go with three, my old standby. Three? I thought you were going to go with five with no Richardson, no, no jersey number five on the practice field today. Mark, who's number three? Todd. 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 Todd, 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 Todd. Todd, Todd, Todd what's up? Todd. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Todd, how many times have you heard people do the Mel Kuyper Todd to you? <laughs> More than you could ever know. <laughs> yeah. Apologies on this Monday morning for going with that low-hanging fruit. Uh, Todd, have you called the program before? Nope. Nope. Uh, first time caller, Todd. Okay. Uh, can we play a little get to know your listener? It's a segment we do on this program. We have a lot of success with it. Are you willing to participate? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Todd, if you don't mind me asking. Uh, what if you who- just said no. <laughs> <laughs> who was president of the United States in your senior year of high school, Todd? Uh, I believe that was Rick Royce. We lost you there. That was who? 
Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Okay. Uh, and then, Todd, that high school was which one? I went to the Martinsville High School. Okay. And, and this was Reagan's first or second administration? That would have been his second, I believe. Okay. So you were like, let's say, uh, class of 86, somewhere in there? Uh, no. Uh, I was 70. I made now, now, wait, now wait, you're breaking up a little bit here, and it sounds like it might be a good thing. Uh, what year did you graduate from high school again? 79. 79. 79. Well, you weren't far off. Reagan was elected in the election of 80, so Jimmy Carter would have been president when you were a senior. But not, not bad, not bad. Uh, would you like for me, that would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? Uh, let's go Kevin, please. All right, Todd. Down the Taylor situation continues. Who's running back one? Who was second on the Colts in rushing yards last season? And he is currently running back one. Deion Jackson, Naeem Hines, Zach Moss, or Sam Ellinger? <laughs> uh, no. no relation to Randy. I guess you can go Randy. Come boys. Yeah, who led the Colts in rushing yards but was not named Jonathan Taylor last year? He had over 100 in the season finale. Deion Jackson, Naheem Hines, Zach Moss, or Sam Ellinger? Uh, well, last year it was Hines. He say Hines? Yeah, it sounds like Hines. No, oh, boy. All right. All right, question number two, Todd. Since 1900, only three Cincinnati Reds players have recorded three games with four or more hits before reaching their 22nd birthday. Which of the following players does not have three games of at least four hits at the age of 21 or younger? Ellie De La Cruz, Veda Pinson, Sam Crawford, or Frank Robinson? Uh, Crawford. Okay. Some might argue this pop quiz is going as well as the Jonathan Taylor contract negotiations here. <laughs> or the reception. Uh, number three, 45 years ago today, the Reds' Pete Rose collected a single to extend his hitting streak to a National League record tying 44 games. It would end the following night. Todd, name the future Hall of Fame pitcher who gave up the single to Rose to extend to 44 games. Think Emery Board. A, Phil Negro. B, Steve Carlton. C, Don Sutton. Or D, Tom Seaver. Anything, Todd? Okay. Uh, question number four. Pirates outfielder, former Indianapolis Indian Josh Palacios, hit a game-winning two-run homer in the 10th inning of the Pirates' 6-4 win yesterday. The walk-off came on his 28th birthday. Name the last player to hit a walk-off home run in extra innings on their birthday. How the hell Scott Johnson knows this, I have no idea. Would it be Anthony Rizzo, Barry Bonds, Jay Bruce, or A-Rod? He got a birthday card from Balco Labs. <laughs> Couldn't you go with more than one on that list? Todd, 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 Todd. Is he gone, Mark, or do we still have him? Uh, he's pretty much know. gone. I'm Should we just here. end this? We'll just flush it out because he hasn't got one right yet anyway, and the reception is driving me crazy. Just give him the four-pack, Mark. Uh, question five. Todd, we appreciate it. Max Verstappen won his eighth Formula One Grand Prix in a row with his victory in Belgium yesterday. Who holds the record for winning the most F1 Grand Prix in a row? Did you know that? I would have said Schumacher. I would have guessed Schumacher as well. It's Sebastian Vettel. Nine straight in you 2013. 
Uh, by a, the way, Ofer from Todd. A Rod was the correct answer. Phil Necro was correct. Veda Penson was correct, and Zach Moss was correct. Yeah, so you're Nashville bound this weekend. Todd, 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 Todd. <laughs> Nashville, indeed. Next on the slot. Yes. Nashville and Indy, correct? Back to back. Correct. That is correct. Street race coming up in Nashville as IndyCar reaches their final five races. I think five races left in the IndyCar schedule. Again, we'll continue to give away a four pack of tickets to the State Fair via the Pop Quiz. If you missed it earlier, we had a. Isaiah McKenzie to join the show. I actually enjoyed chatting with yeah, him. Yeah, he was cool. That'll be on the best of. Certainly. Better of. We don't really have a best of. Certainly there will be a whole lot. Jonathan Taylor on that. And we will end the show with the biggest news item of this Monday morning for the Colts. It's not related to Jonathan Taylor. It is Anthony Richardson. We'll discuss on the other side. Kevin Aquari, one final time here live from Colts Camp. Is it the is it the farm nearby yeah, it, or is there mulch? But the poo smell is back. I know it is that manure. You wonder if the Ursa bus kicked up any of that manure when he was <laughs> driving to park. Uh, or is it uh, was it the park Dave there. Matthews bus? Huh? You yeah. know what I mean. That's only I'm in the Chicago saying. Lakes, apparently. <laughs> it was the Chicago River, wasn't it? Yeah. What they the just, Chicago they River, just dumped it over the side of the bridge and it went over uh, uh, one of those boat tour people, and they got covered. <laughs> hey, yeah. look at the building. You hey, know, that would not that? have actually oh been an altogether God. bad thing if it was one of the uh, one of those pedal wagon things. Oh, I'd have yeah. been f- I'd have been fine with it. Or people on scooters. Uh, we have a no lot of, issue. A lot of Colts news here on this Monday morning already. Uh, Alexa Ross joining us here from Fox. Fi- Nine. Is it Fox 59 or CBS 4 or both? Both. Yeah. I get very confused by that. Don't we just change the flag around? <laughs> oh. Yeah, we flip it, but if we're talking Colts, it's Blue Zone. On the, uh, blue, zone. Uh, okay. the, blue Zone. That's better. Has to put up with Chris Hagen, which, gosh, pray for her. Add, add her to your prayer, prayer list. Alexa, how about this Colts drama? Can we get Hard Knocks back, you think? I don't know why Hard Knocks hasn't shown up today. I think now is the time that if you want to have this fun and enjoy it, you show up right now and you get to enjoy middle school tra- drama, basically. So middle school. I tweeted out last night. This is a seventh grade relationship being played out in a public manner with Jim Ursay, the Colts, and Jonathan Taylor in this situation. Um, your your level of shock. Like if you had told me a week ago, Colts have four people on the side of their building: Nelson, Buckner, Taylor, and Leonard. Right. And one of them's going to demand a trade. I probably would have said Buckner before Taylor. I might have even gone with one of the other two before Taylor. It, it, it's just it's stunning to me that it's gotten to this level about a guy that Jim Mercy refers to as, you know, gold jacket and run the damn ball and all that stuff. Yeah, you can't preach that and then have your running back, your golden goose, all of this just get so up in arms frustrated and then just be like, yeah, no, I can't, I can't do this because of an inability to come to a long-term deal. But then it comes to the, you know, and then the conversation expands of a rookie contract. When do we start doing extensions and when do we actually start having these conversations when can we and the conversation of the running back market which has always been a a hot topic because of the shelf life of running backs but what you know but then you have guys like frank gore who play until they're 80 so what you know where where do we fall and where do we sit and so to have and also to have this being played out on twitter sure mm-hmm. is not you know that's uh, also X. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, Elon. If you're listening, I'm really, I'm really sorry. <laughs> We're not calling it X. I'm not going to call it no, X. Uh, no. It is not X. Is it called X now, or is it still yeah, called? My, my my app just updated on my phone. Mine still has the bird and still says Twitter, so I'm going to call it Twitter. Mine just they have had the update. Actually, yet. I'm going to check in real time. You know, you make a, a great point though, Alexa. Here's a question for you: Would Frank Gore? And I know that, that that Frank Gore was a recent player. I mean, you know what I mean. But the but the seismic, the the, the rapid rate in which the NFL is changing, would Frank Gore 
have been able to have played his last few years if it were right now? Or would teams have said, like, look, we have no value in, in what you bring to the table. We're, we're moving on. In other words, the, the, the position itself just seems like with each year, the value of it is decreasing like 15%, 15% to the point where it's like an afterthought position. Yeah, and I mean, unless you have guys who are falling apart on the field, that's when you call somebody who is kind of like that workhorse who can... That's what Frank's value was, availability. Exactly, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Your, and your best availability, your best ability is availability in some cases, and for a guy like Frank Orr, like that does help you, but it's 2023. The running back conversation has so many question marks around it just because of this conversation with the value. The CBA is now three years in and not going to be rego- renegotiated for another seven. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, and, you know, and it's going to completely change by then too. So how do you have those conversations and kind of keep things moving in a way that makes sense with a CBA that's pretty much ironclad right now. Mark, I might have missed it, but will you, will you text me what our out is? Again, Alexa Ross joining us here, Fox 59, CBA, the blue zone um, <laughs> would would be the better way to put it. It is going to be, it already is a pretty newsy Monday for those that missed it. Anthony Richardson surgery on his nasal septum yesterday, so Gardner Minshew, all the starting reps today. The expectation is Richardson, as long as he feels good, will be back tomorrow. I was unfamiliar about a nasal septum. Did you I've know had much? several people... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Kevin. I've had several people that have had it that have said, like, uh, be stunned if he's back tomorrow. Yeah, a lot of people have said it's like a you're feeling pretty bad for... Now, the Colts said they expect him back as long as he's feeling well. I mean, they kind of created that that return date, if you will. But I I, I said this to Jake. It's just just a bummer because this is a guy that him and Minshew the reps mean a lot for both of them they're in a competition they mean more to Richardson than they do Minshew yeah because Minshew's done it before Minshew has also been able to be thrown into a situation and make the most of it and still have that trust that's why he's here right now that's why he got picked up he's an older I say older in the biggest of air quotes he's an older guy but he can play week one feasibly especially knowing Shane Steichen's playbook and what he can do so there is that edge that he has but with Anthony Richardson reps 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 and you can't be taking reps if you have a septum surgery so I'm interested to see what happened why he needed to get this procedure Yeah, because I thought Tuesday and Thursday of this week Alexa was such big days of like do we see separation you now we're a full week into camp now we're 10 days out from the preseason opener um, Alexa we're up against it where can people find you Alexa Ross TV on Twitter of course correct yes you can find me there and on X, uh, Anthony Richardson, <laughs> diehard Eagles fan. Anthony Richardson needs Look. reps, and Jonathan Taylor needs a new one. How's that? Look at that. That was well done. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan Taylor's agent, kind of a kind of a wild dude. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie joined us at the start of the show. Stephen Holder, Alexa Ross, all of that will be on the best of. We'll throw in a big Taylor segment as well. Again, full pads coming on for the Colts today here at ten o'clock. We'll have a practice report up on the website. Talk to you tomorrow from Westfield.